And he's like, it was never a democracy. This is my group. You'll do as I say. So I made comments about the fact that we were self-funded. We joined for our communities and stuff like that, that we weren't there to make Mark happy and chase this vibe. And Mark was like, well, that doesn't really matter. If you don't like it, there's the door. And then the owner of the conversation jumped in. And he's like, no, the point that he's making is that we're here for our communities, not to be your private army. Mm. Yeah. And that just kind of left Mark baffled because his response to that was, man, making my job more difficult does not make me want to keep you. And it went on a little <laughs> bit from there. But at that point, I kind of jumped out because I'm like, listen, if this guy's going to sit here and say, he's not going to respond to the private army comment for one. And for two, he's going to tell guys that are a volunteer force that they need to go spend hundreds of dollars to chase some vibe because he said so. Like, that's just, it's just wrong. He wouldn't listen to reason. He wouldn't listen to more qualified guys who had combat tours, who were physically fit, who had experience with that stuff. You know, he just wanted to have his way and that's all there was to it. You're listening to the Art and More podcast with your hosts, Nathan and BR. Nathan is a Canadian illustrator with a couple years of military experience, and BR is a British anarchist that moved to the States. Both are passionate shooters and community builders. Together, they run the Seaburn Art Page. Enjoy the show. Hello there. My name is BR. I'm the producer and now one of the co-hosts of the Art and War podcast. Today's episode will be slightly different than our usual offering. It is an episode that I never expected to have to make, and it's a little bit um, unfortunate, honestly, that it has felt necessary. However, to that end, it's not all doom and gloom because what we are doing today is reassessing a previous guest that came on, we gave a platform to, and the thing about Alan War is we like to give a platform to people who we feel are doing good things in our community, helping boost a positive message, positive actions, things that are going to improve people's lives. What we don't like is promoting narcissism or egomaniacs or anyone with even a hint of that kind of, you know, attitude in what they're doing, quote-unquote, for the community. So, again, gives me no pleasure to do this. Uh, some people, it's going to be a controversial episode, uh, unfortunately, but it is something that I feel is important is to when someone says a leadership figure in this community is a bad actor or potentially has views and and actions that don't reflect what they're saying, especially when they say it on our platform, I feel like it's fair to talk to those individuals and see their side of the story rather than just the the big leadership figures and prominent people. So Today, I will be talking to some former members of the Appalachian Ranger Association. Most of you listening to this episode will have previously heard Mark, the founder and leader of the Appalachian Rangers, talking with me in a one-on-one -on -one interview, uh, discussing how their organization works and kind of the mindset behind the admin of that and how to set up a professional training group uh, that is like a platoon strength or bigger, potentially. So... All of that is great information. I I think it's fucking really important for people to get together, train as proficiently as, as they possibly can as private citizens, private civilians, whatever you want to call them. I think, and and I've I've spent my entire time as a, a as a social media person in this the gun space, the liberty space, uh, proliferating that mindset. So don't take this as a knock against any kind of private training 
or citizen training or whatever you want to call it. That is still a massive passion of mine. One of the things I think is most important uh, for people to be doing. However, it is a risky space. There are many egomaniacs. There are many people who do it for the wrong reasons, who want a private army or whatever. They, they imagine themselves to be some kind of, you know, warlord when things kick off rather than a prepared community leader uh, building other community leaders up. So this episode, we'll be talking to former members of the ARA who, and this isn't without receipts, this is not going to be a he said, she said, this will just be uh, the voices of former members um, changed to try and mitigate any potential fallout or, uh, or lashing out from uh, affected parties. So this isn't anything personal. I was actually really gutted to hear some of the uh, some of the the accounts of people's experiences and even screenshots of allegedly from Mark, the leader, uh, of conversations that are just not befitting of someone in a leadership position or someone who's meant to be a moral compass for young men. It was just very disheartening to see that from someone who I'd brought on, give a, given a platform to. And really, you know, I, I wanted the best for. I really wanted to see this uh, thrive and succeed. And I still want to see things like this thrive and succeed, and potentially even this organization to thrive and succeed if it can survive um, potentially the fallout of, of the conversation we're about to have and the accusations. Again, I have no personal ill will towards... Uh, anyone, or I, I had no personal ill will, I didn't seek out to, to find out that this organization might not be all it seemed on the box, or from what Mark had told me during our interview. So, again, it none of this is personal, this is a public service announcement, uh, so you can hear the other side of the story rather than just the person in charge of the social media for the, for the Rangers, and kind of, you know, the more curated image. Uh, this isn't just a space for people with a name and a following, it is also a space for, for the little guy if they have something to say, and uh, some of these guys most certainly do. So, I will say on a personal note, there were some things that I'd seen in screenshots and heard from previous members that did piss me off. Not, not to a point where I had, like, you know, it, it's, it's unfortunate to hear, but... It's not make or break for me. It's not enough to make me, like, bitter and give me reason to do this. But just on a personal note, to be completely clear with you guys, there were some comments made by Mark that I heard via third party, via screenshots, that did piss me off. Um, so the two things, one being that Mark alluded to trusting communists more than anarchists, because at least they, quote, have a cohesive ideology, which... You know, whatever, you can think whatever you like of anarchism, but that is a pretty pretty anti-liberty mindset to have. It's It was unsettling, to say the least, considering, you know, we'd had, uh, you know, a few a few light talks on the, the subject uh, in between recording, and also I know for a fact that there are people within the ARA who rock the black flag and are perfectly useful, good people. So that's number one, and... The second one being that Mark was allegedly pissed off to be associated with me because of the episode we did previously on Art and War. Obviously, I got a little bit cheeky with a marijuana question, but on top of that, he disliked the fact that uh, because of my, you know, a fair chunk of my audience are 
very much the most extreme of liberty lovers, anarchists, and, and that kind of uh, sort, contacting him, interested in the Appalachian Ranger Association, he, he wasn't so fond of that, apparently. So um, those things pissed me off a little bit. I'm like, this is clearly someone who's very ignorant about the makeup of the liberty community and the kind of person in the 2020s who would pick up a rifle. It's not, it's not going to be a perfect constitutionalist or whatever you're into. Um, I mean, according to what I've seen, constitutionalist is not even close to where Mark's at. So uh, anyway, without further ado, we will be talking to a handful of former members. I wanted to put this episode together so you can listen to this and make up your mind. I don't want this to be he said, she said. I don't want it to be BR said this. This is just me hosting and putting together opinions that I've heard from former members that have really troubled me and made me consider everything from taking down the episode to, I don't know, putting out some kind of statement. But I felt the best thing to do was to let people tell their side of the story. You listen. And, you know, if you've listened to the previous episode of Mark, or if Mark wants to do a segment on here defending himself, that'll be included. But I want you, the listener, and the wider community to make up your mind. I'm not here to start drama, I'm here for clarity, and to, you know, I, I don't like the curated perfect image of anyone who has a platform is official and untouchable. Nah. Everyone is available for scrutiny, I'm sure I will be available to scrutinize for, for doing this. And that's completely fine. My main interest is to give you all of the knowledge you have when you're thinking of doing something like training with a big public group and understanding what the organization really is beyond just the curated Instagram image. As we all know, social media perfects the imperfect. So, anywho, thank you for listening to this, uh, this kind of little disclaimer. And let's hear from some of the ARA boys on their experiences training under Mark. Joining me is uh, interviewee one. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming on and, and joining me and being willing to share your story, man. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. So um, I guess the uh, best place to start is what made you join the Rangers? So initially I, I joined... Um, well, let's let's go back a little bit. <laughs> in you know, 2020 was kind of the 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 jumping off point of when I got into. The, I don't want to say this hobby group, but I mean that's essentially you know what it is. This this mindset, this group, this this activity, what we do, you know. And I initially joined, and I, I joined like just a straight up militia. Like there was just a couple like a couple of guys, handful of guys out in in my in my state, in my area. You know, we just we got together every now and then. Went to the went to the range, kind of you know shot the shit. Didn't do anything serious. And then, um, you know, years went on. I kind of got I kind of got fed up with the whole militia thing, and I started. I kind of went with the trend that the community was going with at the time, which was moving away from, you know, militia shit, which is you know my, I guess pet name for it is just like this is this is what I don't I don't know the official name, but this is just what I call it. Moving away from the traditional like militia like Minuteman. Um, mindset moving towards a more community-based um, mindset, more community-based organization. Yeah. And then um, I had a friend who was in the Appalachian Rangers who loved it. I mean, he, he joined because he had moved out to Tennessee and was having a, a blast and kept trying to recruit all of us. And 
I had just moved away from a city. I had just dropped out of college and, and left a job with the park service and was, um, I just moved and was like, you know what? I'm still in the, I'm still in the area. I'll throw in an application. And I, I did join kind of towards the beginning of the year. Um, and that's just kind of where I got my start. Join kind of joined like right after February or right after January started. And that's where I got my start in the organization. Yeah. So did you meet Mark like pretty early on in your, your tenure with them or? Well, like I said, I, when I had, when I had just joined, I was unemployed. Um, I was changing jobs at the time. I had just finished a, a rather short career with the, um, with the state park service and was trying to like step into my, my new role and my new job. Um, I didn't meet anyone in the group except for the two guys who I had already known from my previous group um, until March, which was my first my first time coming to an FTX. I met I met all the people who attended there, and at, at first, I mean, it sounded like you know they had. I mean, they were they were just normal guys. You know, they they were out here. They were putting the work in. They were doing doing everything they were talking about on the internet, and you know, I, I hit it off with them and. We went from there, took off running, as it were. And it uh, it kind of seemed like, for the, for the rest of the guys uh, in the ARA, were there any kind of, like, oddities, or was everyone mostly pretty, like, cohesive and switched on and, you know, there to do good shit? Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't... Let's let's get it out of the way. No one in this hobby group is like actually normal. We're all so, <laughs> we're all a certain brand of like messed for sure, up, obviously. For sure. But but I mean yeah, every, everyone I met seemed like seemed like a normal guy. Seemed like they were there to support the mission. Felt like they were doing good things, and that was the um, I was just kind of the general vibe. I hit it off with all the guys who were in my squad at the time. Everyone who was who I interacted with felt like good. Felt like I, I mean I got good vibes from them. Yeah. So how long were you uh kind of approximately with the rangers prior to the the issue you mentioned to me um kind of cropping up so like i said i joined kind of towards the end of the year and i was uh removed in let's just say the third quarter kind of the middle of the third third fiscal quarter yeah and uh if you don't mind me asking what was the issue that was kind of divisive that you brought up to mark that kind of started to well well yeah, I, I say start to. It, it sounds like uh, you brought up the issue, and it was basically like a, you know, instantly. Okay, you're gone. But uh... um, yeah. So I, at this point in my, I guess, career, my time with the Rangers, I was a, uh, I was acting platoon leader. Is kind of the equivalent. We had switched for, away from the traditional like army organization to more like ranger type organization what we called rdas um we had just switched away from that and um i was i was essentially acting rda leader or i, or I had just been replaced as um the guy who was by the guy who's currently to my knowledge currently running the rda um but the issue that was brought up was um mark has a way of talking mm-hmm. <laughs> and we all do right but Mark has a way of talking that is can be really abrasive. Um, just a lot of a lot of 
vulgarity when talking about like the don't quitting mindset and i was still laboring under the idea of like this isn't a militia this is a this is a volunteer force this is these are people out here who want to like help the community and you're talking to us like like you're our drill sergeant mm. you know i i i'm not in the army anymore <laughs> i am here i have i'm i'm sure i'm no different than the next guy but i have spent thousands of dollars and months of my my life in this organization like you're not going to talk to me like that i can't tell you exactly what what was said but it was it was not how you would expect someone to to speak to volunteers and it was it was a little bit farther over the line than it wasn't it wasn't just the um it wasn't just on the line it was over you know it was it was like over the line of, of stuff that you would you would say to volunteers yeah and so I, I approached Mark, and this, this wasn't the first time this issue had been brought up. The first time, to my knowledge, that this issue had been brought up was in uh, May, May or April, um, earlier in the year, kind of late in the spring, early in the summer. And at the time I brought this up, this was, I mean, like I said, the middle of, like, just getting into the, the start of late summer. Um to my knowledge, this was the third time that it had been brought up and the second that I was present for. But the first time that um, you specifically had brought it up, right? The first time that I specifically brought it up was the incident that got me removed. Oh. I I approached him. I approached I I, 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 I approached him, uh, him being Mark. I approached Mark privately through direct messages on, on Telegram. I said, hey, like... I know, I know this has been brought up before and I know I don't want it to seem like I'm trying to be a dick. Um, but like, this is not, this is not it. You know, this is not the, this is not the way to talk to, to people in a volunteer organization. You can't just be this hostile to, to the, to the members because a lot of people aren't going to take it. We have a lot of former military who are not going to get talked to like this because they've done it before. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> myself included. I, I brought it up, and after after that, um, I mean that's that's the the long and short of what I said. The, the what I actually said was a long. I mean, it was about three three paragraphs of, not three paragraphs, but it was three distinct messages of like, yo, I know you don't mean this from a place of malice, and I know you, I know you want to to make us better, but this is not the way to do it, <laughs> and um. After that, I was, I mean, my argument wasn't even refuted. I was, I was called a, um, actually, I can read exactly what I said or what was said. Um, this, this is the, I have the, you know, that I have the screenshot in front of me. The, uh, this is the second paragraph. This is, this is after he, he told me that, I, that he had been kicked me out. He said, you are, con you are consistently a problem child and do not conduct, conduct yourself or behave as a responsible wow. adult. After that, after that, before I could even open my keyboard to start responding, um, not that I was I was going to, but before I could even open my keyboard, he he just he blocked me, removed me from the organization, and that was that was it. You know, so I mean, I went to him, I went to him with a with a hey, this isn't really a good way to talk to vol or to people in a volunteer organization, especially people who aren't military and was called a problem child and kicked. Had you ever been called a problem child before? Nope, not to my face. 
and you'd never had any kind of like uh, any moments of kind of button heads with anyone prior, like anything notable. Uh, well, there was. I mean, right when right when I first joined, um, like with anything, right when you first join something, you're gonna have growing pains. You're gonna step out of line. You're gonna you're gonna yeah. fuck up, right? Um, am I allowed to swear on the podcast? Hey, of course, dude. Have you listened to this show? Okay. It is a but, shit like, yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, by all yeah, means. I, <laughs> no, but I, so like you're you're kind of expected to to fuck up, right? And I did, like anyone, like anyone would. And I was uh, dragged into a meeting with my call tree leader at the time, and Mark himself um, was basically berated for an hour. Um, barely got the chance to defend myself um and then i when i was given the chance to defend myself i wrote out this long paragraph defending like yo i i came here to volunteer i have i haven't had the opportunity con to contribute as much as anywhere as much as you know other people have like who have shown up to every ftx and been to every call and been to and contributed financially contributed in other ways, can like actually gone out and done shit in Kentucky with you guys, but I've gone to every every like weekly roundtable. I have offered my assistance in to my fellow Rangers when they needed it, but I can't like drop everything and drive four and a half hours to Tennessee because I am I'm unemployed right now. You know? Yeah, I, I mean that was the pandemic and that whole period. That, it was it was rough for a lot of people, and to to you can't you can't give if you're not stable yourself and that's got to be like correct that, that's of being I mean, part I was, of a volunteer group is you have to have that understanding yeah and, and when this when this whole conversation took place between my call tree leader and mark this was this was in like february or so um i had 200 dollars in my savings account and was actively looking at like yo i'm gonna need to like get a job here in the next two weeks or i'm gonna be on i'm gonna be out on the street um luckily i did and here we are now but um you know i i wrote this big long paragraph of like i've done everything that is within that is currently within my means and the the chat ended with you know i'm with mark and the call and my call tree leader who i won't name because he's requested to remain private um because he has also since been removed from the ara oh yeah, that's another that's another can of worms. But I I mean it ended it ended with with them basically saying, Yo, good job. Can't wait to meet you in person. And then the chat was deleted. And that was that was it. Other than that's the only one that I'd say was was a notable interaction, other than the odd like, yo, that was a stupid thing you said in the group chat, don't do that shit again. Um, other than the you know, the odd like you know, just just the odd like thing that's gonna happen anytime you you interact with seventy plus people. Like you say <laughs> something stupid or someone takes something the wrong way. Nothing other than what I had just other than what I just you know said. Nothing was notable. Hmm. But you're a problem child because, like anyone in an organi organization where you're training, there have been kind of things that have been called failures of yours to some degree, and something you know, that, that's like. Like you said, growing pains. That's that's something that comes from building a community. Is you have to figure that shit out. But damn, that's 
That's a Correct. hell of a hell of a label. Correct. After and I'm not gonna say I was offended because like, you know what, whatever, dude. It's it's words yeah. on a screen, right? Yeah. If that's what you think of me, fine. But if that's what you think of me, and if that's what you've consistently thought of me, me being a consistent problem child, why'd you put me in a position of leadership? Why'd you almost put me in charge of an entire RDA? Like your actions are not meshing with your words. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And that's that's the really concerning thing. And kind of to, to hit back on the point of uh, th- that I started this episode with, like, I love the concept of the ARA. And I love the idea of people going out and training and, and building their leadership skills. But you have to know your limitations. Like, you have to know Correct. what you're good at. And even if you're, like... You know, the guy with the idea, the, the guy who originated the ARA, like, you have to understand there is a certain extent to your um, your leadership abilities, your experience, and what you're capable of. Some people just clock out at being able to handle, you know, 40 people. And that's significant. That's, you know, that's, that's a hell of a thing. But, like, oh, yeah. if you can't keep the ego in check, and it, that's, that's the thing that pisses me off when I, when this these kind of things start to come out is the the lack of self-awareness when you're you're letting your ego get in the way of trying to help guys improve and it's it sucks every time it happens because like these things start off so solid and then the second someone has a little bit of main character syndrome we get the the LARPing as a drill sergeant to to a bunch of irregular dudes like it, and it just it just goes downhill from there. Yeah, it's such a goddamn shame. <laughs> I, I use I I use a music and I I'm because for for ten years I was a musician. I'm I still am. Um, I studied music. I I perform music as I did for life. But all it takes for for a, a chord to to sound wrong is one bad note. So are there any moments from being in the ARA that stand out particularly from your time in? Anything that kind of... Anything else strike you as odd prior to this falling out? Or, like, was leadership seemingly sound until you had that kind of abrupt um, interaction with Mark? Or were there kind of signs there was some something a little amiss? Um, a little bit of both. Um... Leadership at the the very top level, like Mark and his adjacent, like adjacent equals and the level just below that was pretty like solid and static. But my, my call tree, which is at the time what we were calling it, my, not, what would now be considered an RDA under, under the new way of operating things, um, had, I believe the number was four new XOs, including my or uh, COs, including myself, while I was in, um, no five, including myself. Um, although I technically wasn't the official CO, I was just acting CO while we were trying to find a replacement. So we had five um, COs of my RDA. We had a revolving door of, of, I guess, executive officers in the. Uh, the top rank structure that was in terms of leadership that was kind of a, a like question mark but outside of other experiences i mean i guess my first like 
my first like raised eyebrow was kind of my first PSU event. This would have been April, um, either March or April. I believe it was April where we're in a different uniform, but we're doing the same thing we were doing in, in our field service uniform. And I guess to explain my understanding of, of the difference between those two to the people who aren't in the know, I guess the people who don't follow the ARA, there were, while I was in, there were two different kinds of, of FTXs. There was FSU, which is field service uniform and PSU, which is public service uniform. Field service uniforms were more martial, more military stuff, patrol bases and doing, doing patrols and react contact, stuff like that. Right. And public service was supposed to be learning more service, like more, more public service oriented stuff. It was supposed to be search and rescue classes and, um, you know, holding, I mean, you know, practicing moving supplies and, and doing the stuff you'd be expected to do as a volunteer organization in a natural disaster. And we go out there as a public or in the public service uniform and we're doing the same thing we were doing in, in March, which was military stuff. That was my kind of first raised eyebrow after that. I mean, that was, it was basically business as normal, just different, different clothing, but doing essentially the same thing. Did you ever see Mark kind of on the ground um, during FTXs and training events? Like, was he pretty active, kind of um, leading by example, or what was the situation with that? My first FTX that I went to, he was kind of on the ground, but he was never with my group, so I can't speak to that one. But the next FTX we went to was um, a different story. He was he was kind of a mixture of both. He was back in the talk, planning out stuff, and then he would come out and usually go go and hang out is not the right word, but he would he would hang around op four or the op four element. Um, whoever was playing the bad guys, quote unquote, in our training scenario, he would go and hang out with them and just monitor what was happening from their perspective. Uh, occasionally he'd come and, and join my group and, or my, my culture and, and Hey, y'all are doing this. You might be able to do that. But, um, after, after that FTX, that was, that was in April. Um, I rarely saw him out in the field. And if I did, he was usually playing op four, which is the least active element of, of the, uh, I guess the three elements that are always revolving around at RFTXs. Yeah. That was op four is the least active. They would go and set up in a position and that would be kind of their, their hub, their, their, I guess, home base. And they would, they would just, they would hang out there. And then occasionally once, once everyone else got set up, they'd come and they'd come and fuck with us. And, but a, a majority of the time they weren't actively doing something, at least not to my knowledge, because I never got the chance to play out for, mm. and that's not me. Like, I don't, I don't care. Right. But that's, that's, that's what was going on. Um, there, I believe it was June. This is kind of the more egregious example. Um, in June, we got set up kind of late because there was just a bunch of, of bullshit was happening outside the organization. Um, in June, and we'll talk about June a little bit later, um, Mark took essentially a, like most of the morning of actual training and was taking a nap in his van, oh. which he drives to the FTXs. 
does he uh, does he usually sleep in the van? No, usually usually he sleeps in in his talk, which is like the talk is his like room or his not his room, but it's the the room where we do all of our all of our lessons, like our, our sit down lessons, our school, I guess what we would call school or schooling. Um, it has a concrete floor. It is dr- usually dry because all the windows in in the talk or most of the windows in the talk are are still intact. They're, the floor is level and concrete and usually stays pretty dry. And that's where he sleeps. And most of the leadership sleeps as well. As opposed to where the regular rank and file guys would sleep, which included myself, um, was an uneven and dirt, like wet dirt floor. Which, I mean, whatever, fine. I've slept in the dirt before, I'll do it again. I, li- I actually almost prefer it in the summertime, but... The, the June incident, he claimed he didn't feel good and then just went and slept in, in his van while, while the rest of us were out doing stuff in the heat. And is there, uh, what the, what's the opinions of kind of the, the regular guys about instances like that? Um, generally, I, I mean, I, I'm saying this generally from like the, the two or three guys I'm still in contact with. No one really questioned it because, I mean, yeah, I get it. You feel sick. You don't want to do anything. But my problem really with it came up the next month when I was bullied in or bullied. Well, he attempted, Mark attempted to bully me into going to an FTX and then actively bullied me in our our Snapchat group chat for not going to an FTX because I was was sick. Um, That's when I kind of had the first issue with it was you you are here you're sitting here bullying me for not going to an FTX and you took a you took a 6 hour nap in your your company van by mm-hmm. the way company vehicle while the rest of us are out running around in the heat doing training hmm. so how would you kind of in a in a snapshot characterize Mark's leadership i don't know he he talks the talk right he he's very charismatic he's very He's very silver-tongued, right? He he convinced, you know, all the guys that were in the ARA to join, all the guys that are still in the ARA to stay there, right? He's convinced all these people to to follow him, and he he can back it up with, with his words. But when it comes to the uh, actually getting out and doing it, I I personally rarely saw him, which you know doesn't walk the walk can talk the talk but can't really walk it yeah speaking of like kind of the silver tongue stuff does he talk about his past experiences all that much when when it's relevant yeah um like he loves to bring up his time as law enforcement which i mean at this point is in question like his time his time as law enforcement is in question at this point but he likes to talk about his time as law enforcement when it's related to constitutional use of force and all that all that right um like he doesn't he he doesn't have any mill experience so he, he kind of left that alone or to people who had military experience um but other than that he was kind of a closed book i mean it wasn't really a closed book but he, he wouldn't bring up uh, past experiences other than you know, during my time as a peace officer, da 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 da, and this law is applicable here, and this law is applicable there, and blah blah blah, 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 blah all that kind of stuff. Mm. 
um, almost using it as examples, but never like, never really being quite an open book, I guess is the word. Hmm. And, uh, kind of in that same vein, I, uh, I've seen a few messages and I think he's even posted about this just on the regular ARA story on Instagram. And it, it came up during my interview with him previously was kind of the commitment to being law abiding and then going a little bit further than that kind of, uh, being willing to back up essentially any form of law enforcement, including uh, federal agencies. Was there any talk about that in your kind of dealings with the ARA? So, I mean, I mean, I can't really fault him for that, right? Yeah, yeah. Any kind of volunteer organization. If you're, if you're actually doing what you're saying you're going to be doing, if you're actually volunteering for, you know, if you're volunteering to help people, right, you're going to interact with with agencies outside of your own maybe you don't like them maybe you do in my time with the uh with the park service i interacted with ooh, a lot of the three-letter agencies um atf fbi even the dea a couple times um even in my current job i interact with the dea quite a lot and that's just kind of part of the game um sure. the the interaction with law enforcement or with law enforcement federal agencies though really kind of became an issue when we switched away from our kind of traditional like militia well i won't say switched away because we never really did but um when we switched away away from the traditional army rank and file structure to the the ranger like the rda or oda um structure there was mention of interacting with uh law enforcement in a in a volunteer sense, interacting with federal agencies like the ATF, like the FBI. I wouldn't say like doing their bidding, but there was definitely heavier mention of like, Hey, we're going to be interacting with these guys. You need to play nice. Um, then, then a lot of people were comfortable. There was more of that than a lot of people were comfortable hmm. with. Um, and like I said, like I said, to open that, like if you're actually a volunteer group, if you're actually volunteering and helping helping people, right? If you're doing the things you're claiming to be doing as a volunteer group, you're going to interact with them. Because when the storm of the century blows through, I mean, Hurricane Katrina, right? When the storm of the century blows through your state, everyone shows up to help, right? FBI, FEMA, the Red Cross, the like, people show up to help. Um, or at least allegedly to help. <laughs> yeah. And you, you, you interact, you know, that's, I mean, that's just the name of the game. You, you're there to help people. I don't like you, but you're helping, you're helping my neighbor. I'm going to help you help my neighbor. Right. Which, I mean, that's not to detract from anything, but like people being uncomfortable with it, but it is kind of a, a I can't fault him, but I also can't back him up about For it. For sure. Kind of and, and was that kind of a more common sentiment kind of not necessarily like disagreements or agreements but kind of uh kind of an uncertainty about that stance yeah i'd say so like pretty pretty common um it was kind of a 50 50 split right like with my background i was i was i knew what he was getting at right i knew he was he was going with with the hey, you're going to interact with these people while you're while you're volunteering and while you're while you're interacting with the community, it's fine, right? 
but there were also the people that were were I will absolutely not aid the ATF. I will absolutely not aid the FBI. I don't care what they're doing, right? Just because they are what they are, which I also completely understand, right? Because I I understand because at the time we had, I mean, most of the people who were there had never really gotten involved in community help before, right? They had, they were all either prior military or were, were looking for a militia, and that's basically what the AI or the ARA was was acting as. We had never done real public service training. You mentioned something about something happening in June. Yeah. So, I mean, this is more this is more personal experience, and this so this obviously won't be the same for for everybody, right? This was this was my personal experience, but my my understanding is this this isn't the only time that that, that was you know that it, it has happened or something like this has happened, right? So June was a, I believe it was a public service uniform training exercise. It was a 46 hour, which means it starts at 5 p.m. on Friday and runs until 3 p.m. on Sunday. And from Saturday morning to Sunday around noon, it doesn't really stop. Um, you kind of eat where you can, sleep where you can, just as, you know, as you would in a real, like, public public emergency thing, even though we're not actually public or practicing public emergency things. There were two, two big incidents that happened in June that, that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way, both as someone in a leadership position and someone and as someone in a subordinate position. The subordinate part was this, the first incident that happened before the FTX. Um, so I had a bit of a family emergency. Uh, well, I, I guess two family emergencies um, that kind of happened at the same time, and it was a couple of days before the FTX, or it was two days before. It was like it was like the week of the FTX. It was like Tuesday or Wednesday before the FTX. Um, what that was was my fiance and I were having a pregnancy scare, which, as someone who was recently unemployed at 24 years old and whose fiance is 22 years old, I mean you kind of have to like understand how that how that can fuck with someone's oh, yeah. head right especially someone who is poor and our both of us were or she is still in college um or was at the time and um the second one which happened like that that afternoon was my grandmother um drove like an hour and a half away and had no idea why just completely forgot why she why she drove all that all that way, and so obviously I'm thinking, shit, I've got to take care of my fiance and my grandmother might be experiencing the first signs of dementia. She lives alone. Am I going to have to go move? Like all this stuff is running through my head, yeah. and so I obviously am at the, at the you know in the mental state of like, okay, the guys underneath me who are the I guess the squad leaders, quote unquote for for my my rda they can they can handle themselves right and they know they know what to do right i'll put one of them in charge they'll find they'll figure it out because that's what they're there for um and so i i come into the group chat or the 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 ara telegram and i say hey guys i'm having a bit of a family emergency i don't think i'm gonna make it to the ftx and i switched my vote from attending to uh, I think it was may attend or not attending 
you know, a couple guys asked me what's going on, what's wrong. Um, one of them was the, the XO. And then I get a phone call from an Ohio number, which I didn't have saved. And for some reason, I decide to answer it, you know, because unsaved number from Ohio, this looks like a perfect, you know, thing to call. It's not going to be a scammer. I answer the phone and I'm still like freaking out. So I answer the phone and I kind of wait for a second. I kind of shakily say hello. And Mark answers and he says, hey, what's what's going on, man? Now, keep in mind, I didn't give Mark my phone number. I didn't give Mark personally my phone number. I gave the ARA as an organization my phone number because it's required from, or it's required as, an, as a preset to joining. So, Mark answers the phone. He goes, what's going on? You changed your vote kind of last minute. Just want to check up on you, right? As a leader, that's kind of what you expect. Yeah. And I say look man i don't really know what's i don't really know everything that's going on i just i kind of want to leave it at i'm having a, a bit of a family emergency something with my grandmother and something with my fiance they're separate events but they're both kind of weighing on me and i don't think i'll be an asset at the ftx i think i'm gonna get my i'm gonna i'm gonna fuck with my team's ability to perform right perfectly understandable because at the time 23 and a 21 year old um well, I say that our birthdays are both in between when this incident happened and where we are now. But a 23 and a 21-year-old are having a pregnancy scare. And my grandmother just drove to the other side of fucking town for no reason. Can't remember why. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of freaking the fuck out. And his immediate response to that is, like, I, I say all that to Mark. And Mark goes, you know that sounds like horseshit, right? Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Holy fuck. <laughs> now... Keep in mind, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say exactly what I just said to him. I said I'm having a bit of a, a family emergency with my fiance. She's having an emergency, and my grandmother's having an emergency. I don't think I'm going to be an asset to my team. And then I got the, I get the that sounds like horseshit response. And so I, I kind of didn't know how to respond. Yeah. So I just said, dude. When you were explaining all of that, did you th still think he was calling up kind of out of the goodness of his heart and checking up on you? Or I did right up until he said that. Holy and fuck. And then I was like, I was like, all right, dude, what's what's going on? Um, but I, I didn't know how to respond to that and said, dude, I'm not sure everything that's going on right now. I just found out about it 10 minutes ago. I'll update you when I can. And he says, okay, but I still think you can make it to the FTX. This is obviously, Jeez. this isn't an exact... This is, I mean, this isn't an exact quote. This happened in June, right? It's now, it's now October. My memory is, is shit on a good day. Um, <laughs> it's all stuck with, with rudiments and, and how to, how to play the drums properly. Um, hey, that, that, that's but, far better than this bullshit. Oh yeah. But, <laughs> but, um, I mean, the conversation essentially go, essentially goes from, Hey, I'm having a family emergency. That sounds like horseshit. I think you could still make it to the FDX. It's like, dude, I really would rather stay home and figure it out. Um, and then, I mean, I, I was essentially not bullied, but kind of coerced into like, yo, change your, change your, change your attendance. If you need to show up later, that's fine. You know, but I, I still think you should, you should come out. Um, and so I did. I, I mean, I, I essentially asked my fiance, like, yo, do you think you can handle this while I go off and play army for a weekend? <sighs> um, and she goes, I mean, she goes, yeah, I'll figure it out because she is an amazing woman. And that's 
half the reason I'm marrying her. Um, Hell yeah. Not, not that she can figure out a pregnancy here, but she's like, she's like, yeah, I'll put my head down and figure this out. Go do what you need to do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that aside, um, we've had no other, I mean, we've had no other reoccurrences. My grandmother, my fiance and I are fine. Um, and all, I mean, like, just kind of, you know, it, it ended up it ended up being a big nothing burger, but at the time it was like, holy shit, I am going to have to, like, radically change what's happening in my life right now because I might be having a baby and my grandmother might be having dementia at the same time. Um, yeah. And I was, I, I showed up to the FTX. This is the same FTX that he took a, a fucking six-hour nap in his van because he, was, he had an upset tummy or whatever he had. Um, and... I mean, it was, I mean, that was my first kind of like, okay, that was a bit fucked up. Yeah. But whatever, right? If you want the numbers, you want the numbers. I, whatever, dude, I'll, I'll fucking show up. The second, the second issue with June, I know that was a bit long winded. I'll try and keep this one a little shorter. We were practicing essentially LPOPs, but we, we were calling them pods or point of district points of distribution or fucking whatever we were calling at the time, pretending to pretending to be like, hey, we're going to man places where people go, go to get aid and we have to protect them from, like, looters or some shit or whatever, right? We got set up, we as in my my element, right? This is this is my my RDA. Um, we got set up on the side of the mountain, uh, the side of a mountain at 9.30 p.m. So 21.30. Um... And when I say the side of a mountain, I mean the trail to get up to this, to where we were set up, was probably a 30 degree incline, a 30 or four, or not, no, probably, probably closer to 40, probably closer to 40, 40 degrees. It was loose, rocky, like it was, it was essentially like a dried out rocky creek bed all the way up. And we got set up on a uh, the only flat piece of of land that we were on was probably the size of my bathroom it was probably eight feet by by six feet you know it was i mean it was it was tiny um and keep in mind this is 9 30 p.m in the middle of nowhere appalachia during uh i think it was i think it was like a it wasn't a full moon, but it was, I mean, it, it wasn't a new moon, but it wasn't a full moon. It was, it was, it was fucking dark. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I mean, we, while we were, while we were just setting up, um, we had, I mean, I had three guys, three separate guys fall and like bust their ass because we were on a small piece of flatland setting up in a dry rocky creek bed in the middle of night. None of us had nods. We couldn't use white light because op four. Well, we couldn't, we, we could have used white light if we wanted to, because at that point I was, I was pretty upset. Um, <laughs> because, because you've put, you've put my, you've put my group in the worst possible position in the middle of the night and um you're you're telling me you're gonna come fuck with us right my guys are falling they're they're gonna get hurt and so what i i mean the the decision we eventually made was yo y'all 
we're going to set up a, a two-man fire watch, two-man rotating fire watch. The rest of you are going to go to sleep, right? Because we, we're all from, my culture is all from pretty far away from the center where we train. Um, we've all got long drives. We've been running around and doing, doing shit, like actually running around and fucking busting our asses all day. Y'all go to sleep, right? I called into the, the talk, the, the, whoever was running it, because it wasn't Mark at the time. Mark was off playing off four. And I said, um, I essentially, I essentially asked for a stay on training because, and this is going to be telling for whoever listens to this. They're going to know who I am now, but whatever fucking, um, <laughs> I essentially, I mean, I essentially asked for a stay on training because I had already had three guys fall. We're on, I mean, I'd already had three guys fall. The terrain was unsafe to be on. This is not safe. I don't want you. I don't want op four getting hurt. I don't want my guys getting hurt. I don't want to be. I don't want to be doing this shit at two in the morning and then have to Kazavak someone who fell and broke their fucking ankle because you put us on the side of a mountain in a rocky creek bed for for to play army, right? Yeah. And I was told suck it up I, not exactly but i was told i was told i mean essentially suck it up this is training deal with it right we're not we're not gonna leave you alone we're gonna keep fucking we're gonna come fuck with you right which they never did by the way they they kind of they probably they probably got halfway up the hill and realized no we're gonna break our fucking leg let's not um and so we ended up setting up a two-man two-man fire watch and just going to sleep we lit the entire area we were up with chem lights we were just like trying to not die the whole night. Um, and then at two in the morning, this is, this is kind of a side story. It's kind of a tangent, but at two in the morning, somebody blew an Aztec death whistle or was screaming in the night. It was just like, <laughs> fucking this. It was, it was, uh, it was not pleasant, <laughs> but the whole, Dude, I mean, the I'm, whole, I'm the asshole who always packs an Aztec death whistle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we knew it was one of us, but like, Imagine like you're asleep, you're in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, and then all of a sudden here's this like screeching, <laughs> screeching noise coming from the next hill over. Like, okay, I guess we're gonna fucking see if the wind is as good as we we feel like or we think it is. But that aside, it was the it was the dangerous it was the dangerous terrain and the the like yo heard suck it up deal with it kind of response that kind of really pissed me off as a as a as a leader you know someone who was in a leadership position was he uh was he all full that night he was mark yes <laughs> he was up. Oh, no which questions. side story which <laughs> side story mark um essentially what happened is they were they they went and messed with they took a car and meant went and messed with the other two units who were in easier to access locations <laughs> and then went to sleep from two in the morning till eight in the morning oh boy that's some that's some quality stuff right there <laughs> didn't didn't tell didn't tell any of us until like 5 a.m said yo they're standing down till six get some sleep like thanks guys we have we now have a whole we have a whole two hours to get some sleep. Thank you for telling us that. Big thanks. You know, you've known this since fucking three in the morning. <laughs> but incredible. Um, yeah. so we we ran a little bit longer than I planned. However, I've, I've got like a couple more things for you. Um, because I mean, I mean, you've you've shared a lot of 
interest in uh, perspectives and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I talk a lot. Sorry, it's no, no, it's, no. It's the it's, autism. <laughs> <laughs> it's true of half the listenership and the other half of brain damage, and or, or you're both. So you know, it's fine. I have. Uh, I, hey, I'm one of those both. Hey, <laughs> I, I'm I'm exclusively brain damaged. The uh, I don't think I've got the tism, so I'm just uh, I'm just weird, which sucks. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, weird and brain damaged. Um, well, in that case, uh, I got two last things. Um, so one, I think I'm think I'm gonna ask this of everyone just to kind of make sure every there's an understanding of kind of the level this is at. But um, do you fear any kind of retaliation by Mark or those? Uh, loyal Tim. Fear isn't the right word. Um, <laughs> do I think that Mark or anyone who's loyal to him is going to do anything stupid like, you know, pull up to my front door and be like, hey, you were talking a lot of shit? No, right? I mean, obviously not, because I don't... As much as I think Mark is a bad leader, he has a he has a, a wife and a... that I don't think he's going to... I don't think he is going to do anything stupid enough to put put himself in a position where he cannot be with or provide for them right which which is completely understandable i don't have any personal beef with mark right you insulted me for something that i said whatever dude right it's whatever my only point of concern or contention not contention my only point of concern or cause for worry is the fact that like i said mark at mark at the very least has my full name and my phone number right and I am aware of a database that has the all of the information that was required for entering in in a Google Doc somewhere, right? For entering the organization, you had to provide name, phone number, telegram, and a home address in your closest city, whatever, right? And I don't know if that or or if that is still accessible, right? Because my phone number, I because mean, like I said, Mark has my phone number. I don't know how he got it. I didn't give it to him personally. It's not in my Telegram file. So he either took it from organizational records or he got it from someone who had it, which is one of two people. And I don't think either of them would have given it to him. So at worst, Mark is, is pulling personal information from organizational record to contact people without, without them expressly giving him permission to do so. Right? Which... Concern, which is concerning, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's not very respectful of, you know, especially in this space where we all value our privacy and, and, and things like that very heavily. That's, you know, kind of a key element of this whole independence thing. Uh, then you're getting the NSA treatment from your leader. That's not great. Oh, yeah. So if you could say anything to people wanting to apply to the ranges or people who want to kind of replicate um, at least what... The, the concept of having a preparedness group elsewhere, what would you say to them? Know your mission and stick to it. If you're replicating if you're replicating the group and you want to actually be a public service group, there are an infinite number of ways to do so, right? You could host community games night or game nights at local rec centers. You could host uh, potlucks in in local I mean again, local community centers food drives, cleanups, trash on the internet, volunteer to help search and rescue when it happens, if and when it happens in your area. All of there, there are so many things you can do to be a good volunteer organization, especially if you live somewhere that's, you know, prone to, prone to storms, right? My state is, my state gets at least two hurricanes every year, right? 
at least. We've already gotten one. Um, and so I took a weekend. I went down to the coast and I helped pick up. Or I helped pick up trash on the beach. You know, I mean, it's it's. There are ways that that it can be done, that are so much more like legit than what the ARA is doing, which is running around the woods with guns playing army. Right? There's nothing wrong with running around the woods playing army. I did that shit for years. Then I joined the actual army. Then I left the army and joined or and joined a group that actually ran around and play art or played army i mean there's nothing wrong with it but if you're gonna have a mission of i want to help the community do that don't say i'm helping the community and then run around and play or play army in the woods right there's nothing wrong with either but do do what you say you're doing not what you want to do Mm. or say what you want to do and do it right yeah and if you're thinking about joining the Rangers, don't. It's not worth. <laughs> Damn. Ten out of ten would not recommend. No, 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 no. Damn. I mean, don't get me. Right. Don't get me wrong, right? I, I, I met two really good. I met two really good guys in the in the Rangers who I am now friends with. Right? I am close with. Um, I I send them memes and ask how their day work was and do all that like friend like shit you do with your friends, right? commit war crimes who said that what um but i mean i i met people i am now friends with and there is nothing wrong with groups like the ara the ara itself is at least in its current form and iteration with its current leadership is not it would a change of leadership um at the top change your opinion on that or is there still any anyone else you feel would continue the current trend there are a couple people who I think would continue the current trend in the ARA, but at the same time, I mean, a change in leadership, yeah, it would help the organization at a at a functional level, right? It would operate differently, but it's not going to, I don't think it's going to take away the, the reputation of like, yo, that's kind of fucky, right? I mean, you can, you can, you can put a new barrel and a new bolt carrier group in a, in a, crusty washed up m16 right but it's still gonna look like shit it's gonna it's gonna function fine but it's gonna look like shit Hmm. so you think uh you think people would be better off kind of forming alternative organizations at this point at this point yeah damn well um unless you got anything else for uh for the people to keep in mind uh, i think we'll we'll head out at this point dude yeah Thanks, thanks for having me again. Sorry, I, sorry, I rambled on so long. No, 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 no. I, uh, I really appreciate it, and I think um, a lot of people trying to wrap their head around what's going on uh, will appreciate it too. And you know, I, I just want to reiterate um, to to everyone listening: this isn't like I, I've got no vendetta against uh, against Mark himself. I'm sure, even even with the all of this mess, like, how do you feel about him personally? Like, are, are you just frustrated with the the leadership or do you hold any kind of you know qualms no i mean i'm i the out my outside impression of mark right outside of the ara i think he's i think his heart's in the right place you know but the execution was just is just god awful and unfortunately i can't even say with full confidence that i think his heart's in the right place i mean yeah i said it right and I, to some extent, I think that's true. 
but I'm I know for a fact I'm not the only one who got removed for for saying something contrary to what he was doing or what he was saying. And that kind of gives me pause, right? Do I have anything against the man himself? No, right? The worst the worst thing he did to me was hey, I think your family emergency is kind of bullshit, right? Which with the amount with the amount of vague detail I gave him Right, I get it, right? Because my first interaction with the organization was I was having, I was having anxiety about being out in a new group, and so he he knew he knew I was prone to having like, hey, I'm a bit nervous, I might be freaking out a little bit, um, so he might have checked up on he, he might have checked up on me to see if I was okay, and then just kind of was not good with words. I'm not good with words. I'm kind of retarded, you know. <laughs> I always say I'm a musician. I can I can write you a song about how I feel better than I can better than I can tell you how I feel. But you know, he might I mean from where I was sitting at the time, it was hey, I really just want the numbers and I think your family emergency is bullshit. That's if that's the worst thing you you did to me in my time that I knew you. Whatever, man. You know, I mean it's it's nothing. I like I said, this is just a long-winded way of saying I don't have a personal grudge with the guy. I just have a problem with the way he's leading his group because he's not doing it effectively. And unfortunately, it only takes one note to make the entire chord wrong. If if the ARA gets huge in the space, you know, 12,000 followers on Instagram, almost 13, right? Absolutely media, media attention after you go and volunteer disasters, right? And you run your organization like shit and you get, you throw a hissy fit and you get told to put rifles away in a disaster zone right like that's it looks bad on all of us yeah for sure. you know? the, the wider culture and kind of the proliferation of uh kind of reviving the american minuteman and all that kind of good stuff like it's gonna be damned from yeah. the start if it's not done maturely and perfectly but yeah yeah you gotta you gotta detach the ego and really be what you're setting out to be not not just a cheap image of it yeah, I'll use I'll use a, a phrase that Mark used himself several times. You can't change the culture by doing nothing, right? <laughs> On the other side of that coin, you can't change the culture by doing it poorly. If you do it poorly, it reflects bad on all of us, especially at the ARA's level of notoriety. I think we'll uh, I think we'll wrap it up there, man. But really appreciate your time and appreciate you sharing uh, your experiences. And hopefully, uh, people can you know make of this what they will. And we'll uh, you know there's actually a, a second side to the story now. So appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on again. Of course. All right. Uh, we'll be back with another former ARA member. Alrighty. Part two of our interview with former ARA members um, discussing kind of their feelings on leadership and the various morality issues and the other interesting things going on um, with the ARA. So thanks for joining me. We're going to go with uh, Nate, right? Yes, sir. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, really appreciate you coming on and being willing to uh, share your part. But um, I guess the quickest way to get into it is kind of um, obviously you're a former ARA member. Uh, how long about were you in? I was in from uh, January of 2023 to late April of 2023. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. For one, we should address the fact that the a certain meme page is um, kind of linked to your your grievances. Uh, you mind sharing which page that is? 
Yeah, so um, that one actually has gone through a, a couple different iterations. Um, <laughs> yeah, so basically, it got taken down somewhat recently, as per you know Instagram it got, it got usual trash stuff. Oh, okay. yeah, good old yeah, good old Meta. Um, they get pretty triggered about certain things, but uh, yeah, it's currently Appalachian underscore Restoration underscore ASSOC. Um, the name on the on the profile is Appalachian Restoration Association. Um, it used to be, comedically enough, uh, Appalachian Rangers official, but as you can imagine, <laughs> some people didn't really appreciate that I had used that username. So uh, yeah, we changed it up a little bit. So you're, you're being pretty pretty cheeky from the start with this kind of thing. So what um, what made you you know want to do that kind of thing i mean some people are like oh you know this is, a, this is a really serious organization this guy is you know kind of making light of a, a pretty serious situation but what what started all this for you as far as the meme page and such well like um i guess your grievances like did did you start the meme page prior to leaving the ara or what was the kind of situation with it or was it after uh, so that was after. It was actually about a month after I got booted. There were some other things that came up, and uh, I was like, you know what? It'd be it'd be funny to share some inside jokes that some of the guys, either former members or guys who are currently in, would kind of understand about the situation going on inside. Mm. So that's kind of what sparked it, and it just kind of went from there. <laughs> gotcha. So your first grievances that led to the creation of this page, like you mind getting into kind of what started all that? I mean, I can do that or I can give you kind of a kind of chronological rundown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, uh, whatever works for you, man. Yeah, so I mean, as everyone, I guess everyone in the gun community as, as you know, in this space kind of knows for the last, what, probably year or two, there's been a lot of pages, Reaper 1-1, Longhouse, other guys who've shared posts of, hey, find your tribe, find your community, find some local guys to train with. And for me, that was that was a big thing. Um, grew up in in one area of the southeast and then, you know, moved to a, another one, you know, hours and hours away. And when I moved down to uh, where I currently live, didn't really have any connections with anyone who kind of had the same interest. Everyone that I could find was like total FUD. Or, you know, hey, let's go shoot at this public range where you can do one round every five seconds, like that kind of thing. There yeah. wasn't a whole lot of training available. There wasn't really a lot of like-minded people I could find. Um, and everybody starts somewhere, and I'm not, like, thinking too highly of myself. But, like, you know, the, the people that I met around here were like, oh, yeah, I've got an AR. I, I keep yeah, it not, locked up not really in a soft case rifleman. with yeah yeah they're like no i keep it locked up in a soft case and it has a set of irons on it and i'm over here like yeah, i'm running a cloud defensive light in lpvo so uh yeah. it's a little it's a little different world um yeah. but yeah you know kind of i'd, I'd had an instagram uh, personal profile that was kind of centered around gun stuff for a while there occasionally i'd I'd post stuff from a range day or different guns that I picked up or like, Hey, make sure you, you know, carry medical and stuff like that. And was following guys like Reaper and, and Longhouse and a few of the other guys in the community and, you know, saw some of those posts and this particular profile kept popping up every single time. It was, you know, the Appalachian Ranger Association. And if I'm not mistaken, when I first saw them interacting, it was, you know, we have a radius of like two and a half hours from Knoxville, Tennessee. And I'm, right on the cusp of that so i was like eh, this seems kind of cool you know checked out the profile these guys look you know pretty well put together they seem to say some pretty cool things um 
but because I was right on the edge of their kind of their AO, it's like, eh, it's not really an option for me. I'll see if anything changes or if I can find a similar group. Well, then at some point, I can't remember, I can't remember exactly when they, uh, they opened it up to like five hours from Knoxville. And at that point, I don't really have a good excuse when you got guys driving from, you know, twice as far away as I live. Yeah. So, um, you know, f- followed them, kept up with things that they were posting, saw some of their FTX stuff. And then uh, someone else that I met through one of the Find Your Tribe posts, just a local guy, um, he mentioned that he had gone on a hike with some of the ARA guys and, you know, seemed to like the guys that were on the hike. They seemed like some really driven, really capable guys. I'm like, well, that sounds cool. And, you know, he kind of encouraged me to check check into it a little bit more. And then I heard the, uh, heard the episode he recorded with you back in what Damn january <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of your it's all your fault um no this, but that was kind of like why the, this episode's happening <laughs> right right that was the hey this puts a a proverbial face to the name it's like okay i've seen instagram posts but now i hear someone who represents this group interviewing saying what they're about saying what they're focused on what they've done what they plan to do in the future like okay this is cool this, that was kind of like the tipping point and i think it was like the day after i listened to the episode i hit up the instagram page and uh, of course when he had intro- introduced himself on his episode he was like you know you can just call me mark you know if you if you message the instagram page i'll say hi i'm mark how can i help you so i literally <laughs> said uh you know the, the movie quote i was like oh hi mock and uh, <laughs> You know, just chatted back and forth a little bit, but um, I was just trying to get some information, really. Like, not 100% that I wanted to join, just kind of wanted to see if I could get some advice on a couple things. And, like, I think, namely, at the time, I was looking for advice on a pair of hiking boots. And uh, I mentioned to him, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not really in the physical shape that I need to be right now to be an asset to a group like this, but... I know there's some state parks around. I want to get back into hiking, you know, bring my stamina level up. And then, you know, maybe a couple now, a couple, uh, excuse me. You may want to cut that. Um, no worries. Maybe, uh, maybe a couple months from now, I'll look at joining and, you know, we can go from there. And he, he kind of pushed. And it's not that it was anything impolite or anything, but he's like, you know, you, sh- you should join. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know. I'm really out of shape. Not, you know, some, donut eating looking dude but i'm not where i want to be yeah and uh, he was like no just join we got guys of all shapes and sizes you know you, you'll get it together being around guys will be a good encouragement for you and you know you can, you can figure it out along the way just join and I, the requirements that i'd heard as of yet were you know you've got to have one ftx a quarter that's like 24 hours or or 30 hours or something like that um as long as you can meet that minimum requirement you can stay in well i put in an application and I joined and then I get thrown into these telegram chats and basically right off the bat, it was like, Oh yeah, by the way, you have to make it to an FTX within like the next 30 days. Mm-hmm. You have to meet like this X, Y, Z requirement by 90 days in order to stay in the group. You have to get tabbed. You have to do a shooting call, all of this. And I was like, okay, this is, I really would have pushed back a little bit more on jumping in if I'd known I had to do this stuff like immediately. Um, but yeah, this was, this was back in January of this year, as I said. Um, but you know, it was cool. I actually happened to know one or two of the guys who were in the group from elsewhere in life and got to talking to folks and it was, it was cool. It was like, you know, let's argue over M81 versus multicam and who makes the best backpack Everly stalker crossfire, you know, the typical gun stuff, like, you know, 
bickering back and forth just for the fun of it, busting each other's balls. But um, maybe maybe a week, maybe a week or two into being a member of the ARA, I'm sitting there figuring out what I've got to have for a packing list by the time the next FTX comes around in a few weeks. I'm ordering stuff on Amazon and different places online, checking surplus stores, gathering up you know some stuff that I didn't have. And uh, it stacks up quick too. It gets it gets fucking expensive. Oh, it gets really, really expensive out of nowhere. It's like, okay, uh, this ten-year-old backpack that I have from REI is not going to cut it. I better go get something else. Or you know, this sleep system. Well, it's going to be really friggin' cold in Tennessee this time of year. So I better figure out something to you know have some some layers. Um, so yeah, racking up racking up bills, trying to get uniforms and stuff, and reading through the regulations on what to do as far as that. And then basically out of nowhere, like that week and a half or two after I joined, we got this notice in all of the chats. I was like, all right, guys, we're uh, we're basically going to shut the chats down for right now. Everybody go quiet. Um, and there was some rumors of some sub- summer of love activities um, that were possibly planned for some areas within technically within the ARA's AO. There was some verdict handed down by some court about something, and you know, it was rumored that oh, this is going to start some protests. Well, we basically got the alert. It's you know, everybody get your gear together, get a gearbox together, grab your uniforms, grab this, grab that, have your packing list. We may deploy, and I'm <laughs> like, excuse me, what? I'm some fresh guy. I you know, I I'm decently capable at shooting. I've spent a lifetime outdoors, but I. I have no idea how to do crowd control or go do anything like that. Like, what are what's what are we expected to do here? And couldn't really get a solid answer from anyone. And it was kind of haywire for a minute there. People asking questions of what do I need to bring? When are we going to be there? Who who can I carpool with? But there was like polls put up. All right, when are you going to be able to be available for this? If you're not available, you need to answer why you're not available. You know, stuff like that. And I'm like, uh, I, what are we doing? And you know. This is again two weeks into me joining an organization like this, and I'm sitting there having to tell my wife, um, by the way, I'm going to get deployed seven hours <laughs> from the house this weekend if somebody makes that call to augment a sheriff's department or the National Guard, or I don't know what. And that off the bat should have been the red flag that was like, yep, yeah, nope. Mm-mm. But I was going off the premise that, oh, yeah, we've done. A bunch of community interaction. We have a great rapport with local law enforcement. We've done this and that and the other, and we're a really professional organization. So I'm like, maybe I'll tag along and I'll figure it out as we go. Ah, I guess I can deal with this. <laughs> um, luckily, it didn't play out like that. Luckily, it got stood down, um, and the red alert was called off. But yeah, it just kind of struck me as odd but i'm like okay i guess we'll roll with this we'll figure out what things are like if ftx we'll meet some guys in person because at this point you know i'm getting told i'm gonna have to go drive seven hours from my house to go to respond to people that i haven't even met yet i hadn't sat down and had coffee with anybody hadn't even <laughs> seen anybody in person i'm like uh that's interesting like... yeah like like your your first encounter there's no kind of like probationary like group well, it's just was right the into the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that was the thing is um, because the area that I'm in, the majority of the guys who were in my quote unquote platoon were probationary. They were all freshies, guys who weren't tabbed rangers. They weren't this, that, and the other. And I can get more into the qualifications later if you got any questions on that. But um, yeah, I mean, these are guys who, 
either because of the podcast or because of other stuff that had come out in like the October to December of 2022 era, kind of when they started gaining a little more notoriety with the group, um, guys who didn't have experience, didn't have training, may or may not have had like prior military or law enforcement stuff, but they were just going to be like, yep, by the way, you're going. Hmm. And you don't even know the temperament of these guys yet. Like you don't know if anyone's just like, you know, itching, like, like genuinely, you don't know if someone's itching for a fight that there's no like temperament or anything at that point. Right. And it's, it's nothing against him. And that's a whole other situation. But I had me thinking like, man, I do not want to become the next Kyle Rittenhouse and be, you know, blasted on the news and have my family's lives uprooted and, you know, put in turmoil just because I joined some group that was like, yeah, by the way, you got to go or you're out. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, it just takes one dude to make a awful decision because there hasn't been any cohesive structure so far. Like there's no, right. There's no order of operations for them. They don't know like how these things are meant to go. They're going to learn on the job, literally seven hours from home in a pretty volatile environment, potentially. That's right. Like, you, you, you should only bring people who have some kind of, if you go at all, bring, have some kind of contingency plan. Not just guys like, Hey, here's a radio, uh, go and sit on this roof of your rifle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you're going to go play rooftop Koreans, but it's not your town. Yeah. That's a really good PR stunt there. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of the first major interaction beyond like shit posting and arguing about M81 and multicam. Um, that was in basically for a day and a half or two there. No one talked in the chats because they were like, yeah, we need to keep these chats chat groups clear in case we need to lay down orders and we need to coordinate and coordinate stuff like we don't want you guys sitting here and him and Han and, you know, BS and back and forth. You need to focus on the, the task at hand. So everybody just kind of shut up for a little bit until it blew over. Um, but it did blow over. And then it went right back to, all right, guys, we're going to plan for the next FTX in February. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, I guess you've already got your packing list and stuff together from the thing that we did not do. Um, so you're good to go there. I'm like, all right, I guess I am. Um, packed up, grabbed everything. A few weeks later, went to February FTX, which was my first in-person encounter with really, you know, anybody who'd been in the group. I think some of the local guys who had all kind of joined around the same time grabbed grabbed coffee or a meal or something together and kind of, you know, put some faces to those names. But as far as anybody else who had previous experience with them, that was our first time meeting meeting those guys in February. Um, yeah, I showed up at the FTX, and it wasn't anything particularly negative, but it also wasn't substantial in any other way. Basically, sat around the whole time while other guys trained. It was, here, you guys pull security while we teach one guy out of your entire, entire platoon radio etiquette or, you know, the the nine line, how to call in a nine line in case we need an evac or stuff like that. But only one guy was allowed to learn it, the guy at the top. Like, why do we not need to cross-train? What if something happens and that guy goes down? Does someone else here not get to step into authority do we just like lose our heads and completely go wild and fend for ourselves like there was no level of cross training and it was strange that there was nothing else for us to do while that guy was training on that other than pull security like you guys don't have 
a, a land nav class we can go sit in on. You, you, we don't have anything else we can practice. You want us doing push-ups? Like, I don't, I don't know. I just kind of figured there'd be a little bit more to it. But yeah, you know, practice that. Went through the motions that weekend. We'll go with yeah, that. Yeah, that, that yeah. Yeah, so went through the motions. plan for all the new guys. Yeah, right, exactly. It was, you know, hey, you guys showed up. You bought all this stuff. We require you to have a radio and a rifle and a this and a that and, you know, this uniform and that thing. And you just kind of, you practice how to do fire watch at 3 a.m. for an hour. And, you know, oh, <laughs> that'll be a good one to get into. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so we get there, check in, get our gear into the talk, the Tactical Operations Center. So tight, cool. Bro, you don't even know. Um, <laughs> grab all our stuff, get our sleep system set up. You know, have a little, have a little class or something. Watch a, watch a video about a few things, and then it's like, all right. By the way, you guys are gonna hit the hay, but we're gonna assign firewatch. I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean firewatch? And, and again, as someone who doesn't have a military background, it's like, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. And they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna have the platoons split into fire teams, and those fire teams are each gonna have an hour long firewatch during the night overnight. Like, okay, cool. What do we what do we do? We stand around the campfire and make sure it doesn't get out of control. No, no, you walk around in the middle of the night with with guns and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. That sounds tactical and military. That sounds like the thing I'm here for. So so who's gonna vet the guys? Oh, we just trust that you're gonna be all right. And let me back up a little bit. Basically the rule was, okay, everyone else running around camp. You had to have your long gun all you, on you at all times. If you had a pistol, you had to have that with you. Um, if you had a pistol with you, that had to have no magazine in the gun. And if you had a, ri- had a rifle, you had to have a chamber flag in it. So everybody was running around clear. Everybody, you know, unloaded weapons. We can, you know, do op four stuff with bang, bang, pow, pow noises and all that. And no one has a loaded gun all weekend trying to keep things safe. That's cool. That I, I can agree to that. You got strange people running around. You don't want people doing stupid stuff. But when it comes to Firewatch, all, all those rules are off. You have guys like me and like the other guys who had just joined who are running around camp, not running, but walking, patrolling around camp at between the hours of 10 a.m. and 6 a.m., and they're the guys who are allowed to go hot. They have loaded guns. These guys that you've never met, you don't know who they are. You don't know if they showed up in a black suburban or something, or if they've got a Daniel Defense with an EOTech on top. Like you, you don't know who these guys are, and you're just expected to sleep while some random stranger who just joined the group is on Firewatch. Like, huh? Do we have any senior guys out there with them, making sure that they're accounted for? No. Okay, how is this not the blind leading the blind or some other dangerous situation waiting to happen? Were there any kind of procedures for what to do? Because I, last guy I talked to you mentioned that um, sometimes while people were on Firewatch, they would be up for going around trying to, uh, you know, fuck with camps and stuff. So if you've got guys going hot, like when you had guys going hot, did you also have up for? Um, so they didn't have any op four during the night for that particular FTX. Okay. I guess it depends on the FTX that you're at. Um, most op four stuff happens during the day, or if it happens at night, it happens with guys that are not on Firewatch. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There, there still might be some people who are hot while that, uh, night op four, uh, practice is going on. 
Possibly, possibly, depending on the FTX and what you got going on. Hopefully, they'd be in different areas of, of the uh, the training facility. But yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. Hmm. Interesting. Like we we would go hot, but that's because we were training in like on public land in northern Arizona <laughs> in the woods. Um, right, you're and, in bumfuck Egypt, and there's nothing around for miles. Yeah, and we wouldn't yeah. we wouldn't have op four running around. Um, we would just be genuinely looking out for <laughs> anything that might come across us. So different situations, right. but but you know what I. I don't want to. I don't want to bear down too much on that, but it is interesting that there might be a mix of like people going hot and people not at various FTXs. But anyway, yeah. Um, but altogether, which is kind of strange because it's like you know, is this is this a secure place to train or not? We've got guys who are literally you know patrolling around the property at night to make sure you know make sure nothing's getting in in theory, and they're going hot for it, but. You know, it's really to simulate whatever environment we might be in in the future. Like, man, we're we're just out here training. We we don't need to go do crazy stuff like this just for the sake of training. We don't need if you're gonna have someone guarding at night, have you know, t teams of two of the senior guys on on fire watch, just standing at the door, just in case somebody decides to roll up and be stupid. But you're not really expecting an assault from an oncoming force and enemy combatants. Like you don't need teams of four or six guys walking around at night unsupervised. Yeah. Just my opinion. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's a time and a place, but especially when you have numbers that are that big, like yeah. it, with a bunch of new guys, like generally, you know, that, that's the one differentiating factor with the ARA is just how, like, how many people would you say is on one of these FTXs? It depends on the FTX. Um, you know, actual attendance numbers fluctuate based on, I wouldn't say based on weather or whatever, you know, based on when it is, what day it's scheduled for, you know, how many days it is. Because making, making a, uh, you know, a 30-hour FTX is a whole lot easier than making a 48-hour FTX. Um so I mean, it, it depended, but um, at the ones that I was on, forty to fifty people, on average. And yeah. then, like, how how much of those guys would you say was new ish? Um, at the first FTX that I was at, yeah. I was only really familiar with the platoon that I was in. Oh, okay. But I would, yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as it, you know, as far as guys that I knew were new guys, ten out of my platoon probably. Okay. Um, so the the like vast majority guys, of them. That's... Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got you got a lot of newbies, um, and it and again that depends. Sometimes it seems like one platoon between FTXs gains like you know four times the amount of new people compared to one of the other ones. It just kind of goes back and forth. Depends on how how words getting around and stuff like that. Hmm. But all all that to say, like, did it feel? It, it didn't feel like anyone was like gonna be an idiot with any of that kind of like it was it was big boy rules and it seemed like safe to do so right yeah i mean it's big boy rules and i mean nothing happened and it's a good way to get to know the guys because you're dragged out of your sleeping bag at two o'clock in the morning and told to go march around for an hour so what do you do <laughs> you're patrolling you're paying attention but you're also like hey where are you from what's your background how'd you get here so i mean part of that was was good you know 
bonding moments with guys and just getting to know each other outside of, you know, standing around and pulling security and not being able to really communicate. Um, so, I mean, th there was parts of it that were good. But, yeah, I mean, it, all the guys that I came into contact with, I definitely trust them not to not to go off and do something stupid. But there's yeah. always just it, that chance because it, it's your first FTX. You don't know these guys. You haven't met them. You haven't interacted with them. You don't know what their capabilities are, if they can even shoot straight if they do need to. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, just kind of weary off the bat, but you get kind of used to it after a little bit. Yeah, yeah, just kind of no, no introductory period, just right into it. Yeah, that was basically it. it. Was like, all right, we're jumping in. This is what you guys are doing, and it just struck me as odd that we were allowed to do that, and no one really knew who who myself or the other guys were. Mm. So, going off of that, did you have much interaction with Mark and kind of his leadership style um, during these these events? Somewhat so. Um, so when you first show up to an FTX and you get your sleep set up, the system set up and you know you're kind of figuring out what the next thing to do is generally that's when program when uh, radios are programmed um so you're standing around in the line and then you hand your radio off and mark himself programs the radio so you have a little bit of interaction with him then um most of it is delegated down from him to the platoon commanders and the guys in you know in charge of those groups or the guys in, in charge of the special teams you don't interact a whole lot with mark because the majority of the time he's in the talk either coordinating stuff or whatever he may be doing um occasionally he'll get out check on the guys run to the car for supplies or something but other than that it's it's not a whole lot of direct interaction with him depending on what's going on mm. but it so, also depends on the ftx and how and what they're training yeah yeah. So did you ever you ever really see him in the field, like doing what the guys were doing, kind of leading by example? Honestly, I can say that I never saw him doing what the guys were doing. Um, he'd come out in an observation role. Like I've seen him walk out in the field, you know, either gun slung or you know, like no, no long gun, no pistol belt, no nothing, just, just hanging out, watching to see what the guys were doing. But I've never seen him actually get out there and demonstrate this is how you do this this is how you pull security this is how you do that um there was one joint exercise that we did where he actually came out and you not leading by example but kind of correcting from the rear was like oh yeah you know pull security over here you need to close this hole a little bit but there was no actually like getting out and working with the guys it was more telling them what to do if anything gotcha so at what point during kind of your training it was like about four months worth, right? Um, did you notice something was off? So the first thing that I noticed that uh, really kind of flew up a red flag for me, again, I should have noticed one. It was like, oh, by the way, you new guys are going to deploy to random <laughs> state. Um, but the thing that really did kick it off was when out of nowhere, a member was removed. Um, and I know that sounds silly because it's like, oh, yeah, you know, somebody was kicked out. But the backstory is really that um, up until then, this guy was well respected in the group. Um, he wasn't super duper active, but he was pretty highly thought of. He actually, and we may need to cut this out depending on whatever. I'm not going to give too many details. Um, this member that was removed was a business owner local to the ARA and within their within like the core of their AO and he was offering discounts 
to the guys that were within the ARA, basically selling them gear at cost, mm. um, you know, different things like that. So the, the sentiment up till then had been, hey, this guy supports us, so we take care of him. If you need this piece of gear or that piece of gear, you know, don't go shop Spiritus for it. Don't go shop, you know, Onward Research or whatnot. Make make sure you check with this guy first. See if he has it, because if he's taking care of us, we want to make sure he gets the business out of it. Um, so they basically had sung his praises up to this point. And I'm like, man, he's a, he's a great guy. Seems really well respected. You know, I bought some things from him. And out of nowhere, he's just gone. Hey guys, what happened to uh, what happened to this guy? And the the response from Mark was overwhelmingly, "That's none of your business. You need to shut up and stop talking about it." Jesus, and Christ, some Stalin shit. Yeah, yeah, really baffling. Because again, two weeks ago you were singing this guy's praises, talking about how he was the guy, he was the go-to guy for gear and who we needed to support, and now he's been removed. No one, no one is talking about why. No one wants to even answer on that. And people who ask are told to shut up and leave it alone. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, as a former a former business owner myself, I'm like, you know what? Seems a little weird. I like hearing both sides of the story. Yeah, I've got kids. You know, they, yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, there's two sides to every coin. You can hear one story from one person, but it's like, you know, I should get the backside of this and see what happens. So, whereas Mark is sitting there telling us we're not going to talk about it, you need to shut up and stop asking. If you keep pressing this, I'm going to have to, you know, remove you from the group or do whatever. Um, I go to this other individual who was removed, and I'm like, hey. Just wanted to see what was going on with the ARA. Heard about some weird stuff. Saw that you weren't in there anymore. And it was much to his surprise. He didn't even know that he had been removed. He's like, let me get back to you. And he takes about five minutes, looks through his telegram. He's like, oh, yeah, um, all the ARA chats that were within my telegram are gone. What? And my, oh, yeah, and my personal chat with Mark has been deleted and I'm blocked. <laughs> I'm like, Really? He's like, yeah. So I, I uh, you know, gave him the details on, hey, this is what Mark's accusing you of, and this is what he said happened. Because at this point, you know, people had enough people had pressured Mark into giving some sort of answer, um, but he did, couldn't back it up. He was just like, yeah, trust me, he's a bad guy. He got kicked. He's lying to people. Don't worry about it. Just, just trust me. But I, you know, I addressed this other member and I said, hey, this is what Mark's saying. Do you have any evidence of this, or is there anything you can show? that I can trust you because I've, you know, I've enjoyed doing business with you so far. I don't want to discontinue that. I think a lot of you, and I agree with the sentiment that they had just been saying up till now that you were a good guy. He's like, oh yeah, here, let me show you all of my receipts of this, that, and the other that proves that Mark is lying and that I'm on the good side of things. And, you know, the fact that Mark wouldn't give any evidence for his argument, but that this other individual who was removed and, you know, we were told to not ask questions about was showing his side of things and all the evidence seemed to be in his favor. That's really what woke me up to to Mark and how he runs that group and how much control he exerts over it. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. How how far is your time with the ARA? Did this happen? So at this point, this was um, within the first couple of weeks of March. So this was about a month and a half into my time in the ARA. And 
So the, by this time, already, yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. So by this time, I've been to one FTX. I've met the guys. Now interacting with them online is a little more. Hey, I've got a face to the name. I know who this is. This guy's pretty cool. Um, a little more familiar with things, and that, and then you know, it kind of gets shaken up with. Oh, so my interactions with Mark have just kind of been spastic so far. Been a little odd. Don't know what to think of him. And then I get this big impression that he's lying to everyone. Yeah, like a culture of silence in, you know, Minutemen, it's meant to be like a big component of freedom. And yet we're going to have this culture of censorship, silence, um, and then also badmouthing someone without presenting like really the whole story. Right. And it's beyond that, it's it's a pattern that I've seen with Mark over there is, you know, this guy's really, really good until I find something I don't like about him and then I'm just going to put him on blast or I'm not going to allow people to talk about him ever again. Because Mark sees it as a threat is if if someone gets removed that people actually like more than they like Mark or they trust more than they trust Mark, it's an immediately it's an immediate threat to his authority. Hmm. Yeah, not it's apparently from uh, talking with other former ARA members and um, people who have interacted with Mark over the years. The interaction that I saw that woke me up was not the first time Mark's done that, and it most certainly was not the last. So what was kind of the next big inference of something that made you question uh, staying in? Um, so... We'll get to the, the uh, I guess we'll go to the March FTX. So the March FTX, not long after that other member was kicked, um, was the next in interaction in person with the guys. Um, and that was mo honestly more of the same. It's here. Let's train how to do this formation and train how to do patrolling and such as that. Um, it was kind of waking me up to... I joined this mutual aid organization that's really looking more like a paramilitary organization. Um, and that kind of rubbed me wrong that it seemed like that was what they were focused on. But the excuse was, oh, well, this is what we're focusing on for this quarter. And in the second quarter, we're going to do different things. Like, okay, cool. I mean, this it's not that it wasn't good stuff to know how to do um, and it wouldn't be beneficial, but it just seems strange. It's like, what? disaster scenario are we going to deploy to short of the world completely falling apart where knowing how to patrol is more important than knowing how to correctly apply a tourniquet or co correctly splint a leg or something like that yeah did you guys do uh any kind of training for running supplies during that period while you were also doing this patrolling or anything more disaster no. relief oriented at all no, it was really, it was patrolling, um, responding to contact, um, something to contact. Sorry. React to contact. Um, react to contact, yes. Um, so we were training react to contact, patrolling, stuff like that, where it's basically, you know, we'd march across this field, staggered pattern or whatever, and, you know, oh, contact left, contact left, bang, 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 pow, 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 bang, 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 pow, 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 you know, moving, move, basic stuff like that. Um, nothing you honestly couldn't learn on YouTube in about 27 minutes and, you know, running around in a field with your buddy with an airsoft gun. 
but it was cool to get to do it with some guys and some real guns with chamber flags in them and stuff. Um, but yeah, that was basically the gist of it was, you know, how to, how to patrol, how to react to contact, how to patrol. So the, uh, the concerning thing that happened on that March FTX was that, um, you know, up until the final day of the FTX, the platoons have been training separately. Um, they'd go train out of patrol. Other people would be working on, you know, either guarding the talk or other battle drills or whatever. Um, but the final day we did a joint assault or joint patrol really. Um, and to lay this out for you, you know, the, the training grounds are middle of nowhere, Tennessee. And in middle of nowhere, Tennessee, you've got all sorts of stuff. You've got abandoned property, abandoned structures, you know, different things. But something you come accustomed to with down here, if you pay attention, is a lot of these places in, you know, outside of rural towns, they'll have churches that have been there for the last 150 years. But if you look on the sign out front, it'll say, you know, we meet on the third Sunday at 11 a.m. And that's the only time all month that they meet. Um, so with that bit of context, our, uh, our final, final exercise for the FTX was to patrol down to a church that was about two miles from our main training area. And we were supposed to do simulated observations to see, you know, make sure we could make sure we could patrol down there, keep formation, keep our wits about us, pull security in, a, in an appropriate way, get someone into an observation position who was, you know, he's a platoon commander or somebody in higher rank, and then patrol back to base, all the while giving appropriate radio communications. What I didn't know until we got to that church and we're pulling security within about 200 meters of that church is that was the Sunday of the month that they were holding a service. Oh my God. So, so picture this, you have three platoons of heavily armed guys with long guns, all wearing camouflage. Some of them wearing face paint. A lot of them wearing packs marching two miles across a muddy field to go hang out in the woods 150 or 200 meters above a church where people are having service. And then you have guys getting within that 200 meter radius to go down and quote unquote, observe also with said long guns and camouflage impacts. They were being stealthy and I won't say that we got caught. I don't think we did. However, growing up in the Southeast and having a background and going to church and knowing people who run in those circles, I can about promise you with beyond the shadow of a doubt that there was a gun within that church, at least, at least one. I don't care if there was 20 members in that 150 year old Baptist church, there was a gun in that church. You can imagine how someone would react if they're getting bored with the sermon and the pastor's going a little bit long and they just happen to take a glance out the window and see a bunch of guys in camouflage who were marching down a hill towards their church with like binos. Well, especially looks after the last few years. Oh yeah, yeah. Looks a little, looks a little bit strange, especially when those people aren't privy to the knowledge that there are people training in that area. You know, no one communicated that to them. No one made sure that no one was at the church or anything. Like, no, you just got guys 
seemingly with long guns, whether they had magazines in them or not, LARPing around like they're the National Guard. I mean, at first glance, it looks like somebody's coming to do some pretty bad stuff. Yeah. And that just showed an extreme lack of foresight and communication from the leadership on down, where you've got guys who are like, oh, yeah, we have access to this training ground, and leadership wouldn't have us do anything stupid out here, right? Right. And then we get up there, and it's like, oh, my God, what are we doing? We have to we need to go. We need to go now. This was a bad idea. So did you guys actually pause and like kind of cancel the plans to train in that area? Or did people push through and get like pretty far into it? Oh, oh no. Oh no. Um, so there's three platoons and they each march down the two miles with about, I think it was five or 10 minutes of separation. I was in the third platoon. So how it worked is first platoon marched down, pulled security, did their observation. 10 minutes later, second platoon switches up. First platoon heads back. Second platoon does pulls security, does their observation. Third platoon shows up about 10 minutes later. Second platoon pull, it pulls out, heads back. Third platoon pulls security, does their observation. So by the time I'd gotten there, People had been in and out of there for the last 30 to 40 minutes on that hillside with guns. And no one so there was no that it was oh, occupied. No, no, definitely not. So there was there was no one thinking in either the first or second platoons, gee, this doesn't look good. Maybe we should do something else. No, they just kept going with the plan that was laid down. Yikes. Big, big yikes. Big, again, <laughs> one of those scenarios where it's like someone, many people, on both sides were put in danger and luckily nothing happened but it very easily could have oh yeah that's then you have some dumb fucking SWAT response and yikes <laughs> yeah so at this point you know i'm having conversations with the missus and i'm like yeah so so between mark being a liar and training being basically nothing i'm spending you know taking a day off driving out here spending gas money spending money for mountain house and mres and chef boyardee and whatever else taking all weekend in the woods away from my family just to learn stuff that i can learn on youtube and to take risks like this and the sentiment at that point between between myself and my wife was yeah um so leadership sucks leadership's really dumb and they're deceitful um I'm going to hang it out maybe a couple more months for the guys, just for the sake of friendship. Um, but at some point, this is going to have to, we're going to have to pull the plug on this. I'm not going to be able to continue. Yeah. So that was kind of, that was kind of my mental state as of, as of March. Um, but yeah, so between, between March and April, you know, I genuinely still believed in the, in the mission of the group. I just, you know, thought, leadership needed some changes um either people needed to step down particularly mark or you know something else was gonna have to have to change uh, one way or the other um but there was another find your tribe post during the uh during the duration during the duration good lord and the duration between the March FTX and the April FTX, there was a, another Find Your Tribe post that I actually got in on, and for whatever reason got a wild hair, to recommend people to join the ARA. Because I knew that the people that were in there, the, the 
the common folk, um, the guys outside of leadership, the guys who were joining, were joining for the right reasons. They were joining for the same reason that I joined, to gain more knowledge on how to help their community and to to befriend like-minded people. Yeah. Um, so I jumped in on one of those posts and you know, actually wound up recruiting a couple of guys who, who joined later, I think a couple of months later. Um, but Mark actually DM'd me and was like, Hey, I want to commend you for helping recruit and get the word out about the ARA. It means a lot to have people outside of the actual, you know, Instagram page for the ARA talking about it and bringing people in. I'm like, Hey, no problem. Because I've done okay with this, I'd like to see kind of the backside of how you deal with PR, how you deal with, you know, interacting with the public that's helped you bolster the group over the years. Would it be okay if I shadowed you just to try and get a peek behind the curtain, honestly, and see how things were run? Mm. And he was like, oh, yeah, totally. That would be awesome. That's kind of what we ran with after that. Um, so he's just basically said, you know, the next time we're at an FTX and someone pulls up in the driveway or we're out in public and people are asking what's going on, you know, just kind of hang out behind me and watch how I interact with them. And I thought, yeah, this guy's going to just have a really good spiel of what we are because it was commonplace to, you know, be hanging out in town after an FTX or whatever. You got guys in camo and boots and, you know, they look the part. People would be like, are you guys National Guard? Or whatever, and you know, you gotta have, explain to them like, no, we're not National Guard, we're X Y Z. But I never really heard what the X Y Z was. I'm like, I want to see what Mark markets markets to people and lets them know what we are, because, I mean, if you go, oh yeah, we're a militia and we're training for the the fall of the government, like, yeah, it's kind of, you, you look like the guys on the History Channel, and that's rough. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, you know, how does he pass it off to make it a little more tasteful to people. I want to see, you know, what goes on with that. So yeah, he let me know like, Hey, you find the opportunity next time we're in person, just keep up with me, shadow me. I'll show you how I do things. So April FTX rolls around and the precursor to April FTX was him letting everybody, Mark letting everybody know, Hey, this is going to be, you know, this is the first exercise of this quarter of the year. This quarter is going to be focused on public service rather than basic infantry tactics and stuff. It's going to be how to do search and rescue, how to, you know, that was actually basically the gist of it, was how to do search and rescue, how to do to disaster response. And I'm thinking in my mind, okay, we're going to learn rope skills. We're going to practice repelling. We're going to practice waterborne recovery, things like that. How to dress down to make things a little more tasteful for the public. How to resupply, things like that. Things that you would expect to see in a hurricane or t tornado or flooding disaster, power outages, anything like that. Things that you would expect people to do. The stuff you see on the news with people doing, folks working chainsaws and doing vehicle recovery and things like that. So I'm like, not only is this stuff that I'm familiar with, you know, and I could possibly help teach this, there's other skills that I haven't worked on in years that I really need to brush up on, and this is going to be a good opportunity to do so. Mm. That's what I went into the April FTX thinking. That was not the case with the April FTX. <laughs> so April FTX was a complete cluster. Um, oh boy. So to back up a little bit, at this point, I'm still probationary. I'm not, I haven't been tabbed yet. I'm not 
technically a ranger. I'm just probationary. Um, one of the requirements to get out of probation is that within the first 90 days of you joining, you have to do a range qual. And there was requirements laid out for the range qual. The biggest thing being that you had to shoot the range qual in front of someone who was a senior member who had already been tabbed and this, that, and the other. Problem was, at this point, my platoon had north of 25, maybe 30 people in it. No one within the platoon was tabbed. So I'm in a leadership position. There's a guy in a leadership position above me. We're all new guys. None of us, not saying that it was the blind leading the blind. There were guys with military experience, LEO experience, stuff like that. Guys who knew what they were doing and were skilled. But none of us had been, you know, in the organization for that long. So then the the argument was, you know, okay, who can host the range day? Because no one here is tabbed, no one's qualified technically as per the regulation. You know, how do we get up with each other? Can we video it and send it to a member of the cadre and show them that we shot this target at 50 yards and this was the grouping that we got? Is Then it's going to be a two-hour-long video because, oh, well, I can't edit it because I need to show that I actually shot this target. So here's 30 minutes of me walking back and forth to a steel target or whatnot. Um, so the April FTX was the first FTX that shooting during the FTX was actually supposed to be an option. Um, before then, all the stuff we had done was the only time you're allowed to have a bullet in the chamber is if you're on Firewatch. Other than that, you go cold the entire FTX. But they had gained access to another adjacent piece of property where we were supposed to be able to set up a range and do shooting quals. So on our full, first full day there, we did like a basic rundown class on how to do Intel and a basic rundown class on how to do land nav, neither of which we practiced. We just kind of like, here's how to use a compass. Here's what these lines on a map mean. And then we just sat around waiting for the other platoons who were doing the range call to wrap up with what they were doing. That took half the day. So by the time our guys showed up to do our range call, there was not enough daylight left. Guys are, you know, it's pretty, pretty hot by this time of year in the southeast. Guys are getting hot. They're sitting on the mountainside for hours at a time, just kind of piddling, twiddling their thumbs, waiting to, to actually get the chance to shoot. So at some point it was called. And that kind of threw me for a loop because I'm like, man, this is my last chance to actually qual before my 90 days are up. And everyone was like, oh, well, don't worry about it. There's plenty of guys here who have been here for more than 90 days who haven't qualled and aren't tapped. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Why is the regulation there then? And come to find out afterwards, I was actually in charge of a guy who was former military who'd been in the group for four months longer than I was. <laughs> how I was put in charge of him, I have no earthly idea. And how he hadn't been tabbed yet, I don't know. But just mm. strange stuff going on. So we basically wasted between showing up to the FTX and then not finishing shooting calls for the majority of the guys on the second day we wasted a day and a half there so after that it was like all right well now we're going to get into the into the search and rescue portion of the training I'm like great this is awesome that's what i'm here for the shooting's getting kind of slow it's dragging along that's fine we'll figure that one out later let's do some actual cool stuff that's going to be helpful we did hostage rescue we spent an entire day learning how to do hostage rescue it was you know 
we did one scenario where supposedly it had been called in on the radio that a hunter had fallen out of his deer stand and the local sheriff's department wanted us to go get him and check on him and get him out of the woods. Like, okay, that seems somewhat realistic. I don't know why a sheriff's department would send us with, you know, no, no other SAR training, no other medical qualifications or anything like that. Like this guy's fallen out of a deer stand. He's probably injured, but sure. Let's send guys with guns up there to go get him. That makes, that makes sense. Cool. Well, after that, it completely fell apart and only went downhill. Um, after that, it was legitimate hostage rescue, where it's like, hey, we have two guys on this hilltop. Op 4 are holding them hostage. We need to go assault this hilltop and rescue these two guys. Because that's totally a realistic disaster scenario. Yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, something you're going to be dealing with a lot, so best to get that. Down. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Happens all the time. Private civilian contractor whatever blackwater is going around and just pulling people off of hilltops that are captured by you know militia groups or whatever it may be that makes sense um but yeah no so this the platoons for that ftx just switched out what you know who was doing the op for or um who was doing the assault or whatever and excuse me cor correction you have to cut that because they weren't doing op for um so for so for that FTX, the platoons would switch out who was facing op for who was doing the assault and the scenario. The scenario would change with everybody for each time that it, the, that it was repeated. But the word that I got from the other platoons was they did a nighttime assault and it turned into a complete shit show where basically the scenario was that we got called up or they got called up, excuse me. And um, there's supposed to be someone who's held hostage or has gone missing on another person's private property. We know who the property owner is. Supposedly they've been out shooting on their gun range all afternoon. So we know that they're armed, but it is their property. We need to go address them, let them know that we're looking for somebody and see if we can pull this person out. You got a bunch of inexperienced, inexperienced guys up there with guns and op is really good at doing their job. So as soon as the guy from op is like, hey, by the way, this is private property. What are you guys doing here with guns? Someone <laughs> threw down on him. What? So, yeah, yeah. So you've got a group of search and rescue guys carrying long guns up this hill to go deal with someone who owns private property. And the simulated private property owner is like, you guys don't need to be here. And I don't appreciate you bringing guns up here and goes to address them. And then himself gets drawn down on <laughs> yeah so needless to say this guy was extremely capable he didn't take kindly to it and went and put them in their place and it turned into a complete debacle they actually had to spend send one of the special teams as a qrf to go straighten things out with the standard platoon and the aar i heard was horrendous it was basically you guys completely fucked up <laughs> but also they were putting into a scenario where it's like yeah by the way go armed go deal with armed guys go get this guy out and they were just so focused on gun 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 that, that that's all they could think to do instead of hey maybe we should train some de-escalation first maybe we should store long guns and just go with concealed carry rigs but as per ARA regulation, conceal concealed carry rigs are only reserved for special teams so if you're in a standard platoon you don't get that option. Right. 
So that we're, makes just, sense. we're just we're, we're sending the less specialized guys in a manner where they can't possibly not de-escalate, but go in at kind of a lower level of uh, confrontation. Right. Right. Yeah. So. Hmm. Very poor planning on that part. Just it was a complete kerfuffle from the get go. Um, but yeah, the fi- the final day, the final exercise for that FTX was a joint assault on that hill. So, Op Four is up there doing their thing. We supposedly have two hostages on the hilltop. We're gonna have a joint exercise where this platoon goes this way, and this one holds cover fire, and this one does this. And it's like, what? Whoa! Wait a second. We're setting up, and we did set up simulated machine gun positions please br tell me when are we going to set up machine gun positions on u.s soil against other u.s citizens on their own private property (laughs) oh so this was a continuation of confronting the private property kind of this was like the private property owner but this is just a different scenario with more guys thrown at it um yeah, so we're setting up machine gun positions. We're supposed to patrol up, and Op 4 was good enough that we got freaking ambushed, and it turned into a gunfight, and I think they got one of the hostages back, but they killed, like, seven of the rest of us. And, yeah, again, this was an SAR-centered FTX where we're supposed to do search and rescue, and by the end of it, the only thing we were doing was mowing down hillsides with machine guns getting counter-ambushed, and losing, like, a third of our guys. <laughs> so, needless huh. to say, I walked away from that thinking, this was not the rope skills refresher that I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, you didn't really know much about it. Like, if that's your plan going into kind of a Katrina scenario, uh, <laughs> I have questions. Right, right, exactly. And again, what sheriff's department, LEO, anybody is going to be like, hey, we got hostages called in. You know what we're going to do? We're not going to send our SWAT guys. We're not going to send our, you know, our SWAT snipers or anything. We're not going to send anybody up in a chopper to go scout it out, a drone, nothing. No, what we're going to do is we're going to call some private guys, some civilians who have like little to no training. They volunteered to help us with something we need. So we're just going to send them up the hill to go deal with it. Right. <laughs> right, right. Because that would totally happen in the real world. Again, it's it's that, that meme of like, this fits the exact situation that I made up in my head. Like, I've, yeah. I've trained for this particular made-up tactical situation for shit hits the fan in which I'm going to be doing this because it looks cool. So after operator, yeah, operate. Um, So after all of this, kind of, what was your? uh, Were you like, this is a shit show, or how how much more did it take to kind of get to the point where um, you you left the ARA? So um, basically, up to that point, kind of following what Mark had done with removing that member back in March. if there was any kind of dissenting opinion, it was shut down immediately. You know, people would be like, hey, what about this? This seemed kind of odd. You know, what should we be doing about this? Or even stronger opinions were like, hey, this was stupid. The leadership needs to step it up. It was all deleted. You know, it was very commonplace for you be chatting some- about something in the chat and either someone would be removed or conversations would be deleted or, you know, 
just different stuff like that where stuff really seemed to get swept under the rug or covered up a lot. So it was kind of hard to get a feel for how other people were perceiving the training. Um, but it eventually got to the point where I'm talking directly to the guys who were within my quote unquote platoon and uh, guys who were on my squad and fire team and stuff. And I'm like, hey, this seemed odd, didn't it? Did you know this thing about Mark that he tried to cover up? And words kind of starts getting around and everybody kind of starts having the same mentality about it where it's like, yeah, I don't like this and I don't know how much longer I can stick around. So by the end of the April, April FTX and kind of afterwards, I was honestly basically full doomer by then. It's like, this is dumb. I don't like this. And people ought to also notice what's going on because this is unacceptable. Um, so kind of started talking with, with the guys that I was tight with that I'd really worked with the most in the ARA and uh, guys who were local to me in particular. And we basically all decided like, yeah, this, either Mark's got to step down or we got to go. Mm. Was there any kind of alternative leadership on offer, like maybe some, you know, two ICs to Mark that were potentially better candidates? Like, not not to name names or anything, but was there, was there kind of a, a path for better leadership uh, at that point that, you know, might have kept you guys around? I mean, not really, because mm. any time that anybody brought up any issues, it didn't even get as far as, hey, we should change leadership. It was... This is my show. If you don't like it, there's the door. And that's that's a quote from Mark, and it was repeated multiple times. It's, this is my organization. If you don't like it, there's the door. And, you know, that's one thing if it's like, well, honestly, it's not even military-related. If you're in the military, you've signed a contract or whatnot. You know, maybe if you work at some other LEO department or something like that, it's, you know, if you don't like this policy, there's the door. Cool. But we're volunteers. We came here to grow, to become better for our community. We're here of our own volition. We are self-funded. We have to buy the uniforms ourselves. We have to get, you know, all the mountain house meals and stuff ourselves. We're we're working off our own penny just to have this guy sit there and say, no, your opinion doesn't matter. That's stupid. I'm going to run it how I want to, and you can shut up and take it, or you can leave. Mm. So there was multiple situations where that happened and, you know, not directly at me, but at other people and, um, you know, just kind of kept building and, and the more you observe, the more discontent there was, you know, Hey, this isn't right. This is a good guy. He's bringing up a valid issue and it's getting ignored and it just seemed wrong. Um, it finally came to a head for me on April 27th of 2023. Um, so there were multiple, there were multiple ARA telegram chats. There was like a chat for each platoon. There were chats for like gear, religion, gaming, prepping. Um, and there was various amount of engagements in the different chats. Of course, the platoon chats were, were pretty active with the guys that you were in the platoon with. The general chat was fairly active depending on what was going on. Um, gear chat was, was pretty cool. Um, but of all the chats, Gear Chat was one of very few chats that Mark didn't actually have a stranglehold on. He was an admin in the chat, or no, he was a moderator in the chat, but he didn't own the chat. Um, admin, moderator, whatever it is on Telegram. Um, so to give you an example and backtrack just a little bit, 
I had started a chat on Telegram for my squad. I included my platoon lead in it and was like, hey, I just want to use this as an opportunity to catch up new guys between FTXs. If we get guys added, I want to give them the basics of stuff. You know, I can hold an audio call with these guys, give them the basics of infantry tactics, how to do formations, stuff like that. Make sure that they're up to date on their packing lists. Their backpacks are good to go. They've got enough water. They're hydrating. You know, they're not missing anything. You know, if they need an extra sleeping bag, we can hook them up with someone who's got one. Something like that. Created that chat for the good of the guys within within my squad, the guys that I was directly working with. Yeah. Apparently, Mark found out about it and handed it down to my platoon lead that I needed to shut it down or transition control of it to my platoon lead and that Mark needed to be added to it. Mm. it seemed weird. Rubbed me kind of the wrong yeah. way because I'm like, dude, I did this for my guys. We're already holding trainings within this chat. It's catching people up who otherwise would be flying blind like I was at my first FTX. Like, I'm trying to help these people and you're just like, yeah, no, you can't do that because Mark wasn't involved in it. So I was like, okay. We made another chat. Because I, for whatever reason, Telegram was acting up, and I couldn't transition control of it. And honestly, I kind of, I kind of throttled back. And I hate to say that because it kind of was to the detriment of my guys, but it left me a little more disinterested when I tried to go do something good for the guys, and Mark had to, you know, stick his finger in it. Um, but yeah, so Gear Chat was one of the chats that Mark didn't have direct control over. That was one of the senior guys that actually had that chat and had started it and had added members in there from the ARA. It was still called it was still called ARA Gear Chat on Telegram, but yeah, Mark was not the uh, the owner of it. So it tended to get a little bit more spicy sometimes. But the biggest thing is stuff didn't tend to get deleted as often. Mark still had the power to do so, but. Uh, Stuff generally tended to get left up in there, and it's gear chat. So the majority of it was arguing over M81 versus Multicam and Crossfire versus Everly Stock and whatever else you can name. You know, what boots are best? Oh, you wear Altamas? Well, that's stupid, and you aren't wearing darn tough socks, blah, 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 blah. Um, But one day, Mark started a conversation that day, being April 27th, and... uh, it was basically just back and forth between Mark and some of the other more experienced guys within the group, guys who have outside tactical training or have military experience or whatever it may, whatever it may have been. They were guys who knew what they were talking about. And the conversation that day was based around uniforms and their uniform regulation. Cause we had this gigantic, not gigantic, but we had this, this guide, that told us, you know, what we were supposed to have in our packs. We're supposed to wear as far as our uniforms, boots, um, you know, pistols are the kind of holster that we have to carry if we're having a pistol. And it's all reasonable stuff where it's like, hey, we don't want you wearing a level one retention holster that's, you know, friction hold on a pistol if you're out doing public service stuff in the middle of a hurricane because someone could just run up, grab your gun. Like, that makes sense. You know, wear a level two or a level three retention at a minimum. That's fine. But the problem is people would go buy gear based off the regulations within the guide, and then the regulation would change. And that's what happened several times during my stint in the ARA was, you know, go drop a couple hundred dollars in this shirt and these pants, and, oh, no, we're going to a different color. We're going to a different style. Um, 
And prior to April 27th, we'd had a roundtable chat on Telegram of, hey, by the way, we got some updates. And one of the updates was that they were going to all multicam for field service uniforms and that they were changing the regulation on the public service shirts, but that I think that regulation at the time was pending. They didn't know exactly what style they were going to go with. Um, but basically, they were getting away from combat tops and going to a full-on field blouse. So April 27th rolls around, Mark's talking about it again, and the guys are firing back. The guys with more experience are basically saying, field blouses are dumb. If you're wearing a plate mm -hmm. carrier, having 14 million pockets on the front of your shirt's really not conducive to comfort, to actually being able to get to gear and make use of those pockets. It's not prone to you know being able to move in that gear. Um, so decent arguments, like good points of, hey, I've, I've, I have experience with this. I've done this in real life. I've been paid to do this. And making other guys do this is a very bad idea. And also, people are already wearing these combat tops. They're wearing rugby shirts, stuff like that, that are more comfortable. They're more breathable, and they already own them, and they fit the previous regulation. You shouldn't be changing the regulation and making people go buy stuff that is worse, worse off for use. And Mark just kept firing back. And his argument at the time was basically that the combat top did not fit the aesthetic that he was going after with the ARA. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it didn't have that drip. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was basically function over, you know, form over function to Mark. Like, I don't care how comfortable or uncomfortable it is. I just want you guys to look cool. And to a certain extent, I get looking uniform and professional in an organization where you're trying to show up and help people. Like, you don't want to look like the, the cliche M81 militia guys. Like, yeah. fat slobs, shirt not tucked in, you know, whatever. Hey, we're here to help. And no one's going to want help from those guys. You want to look put together, but you can still look put together and professional and not be chasing a 1940s World War II United States Army vibe. Yeah. So that was the argument back and forth. And me being more inexperienced in that area, I waited to jump in for a little bit. I mean, just kind of watching the banter of Mark's arguing one way and these other guys that are more qualified are arguing the other. It's like, oh, this is kind of funny. And then Mark get, started getting a little bit more stern about it. And it's like, huh, okay. Well, I have a little bit of something to say about it. And it was budget related. It's like, hey, Mark, um, guys can't be changing what they're wearing every single FTX. You can't come around once a month and just decide you need a new radio. You need a new holster. You need a new shirt. You got to wear this color pants. We don't wear brown pants anymore. We only wear green, like stuff like that. You, you can't keep changing it up on guys because we're self-funded. We get here by ourselves. We can't swing that all the time. Not everybody has well, that kind of money. This is Appalachia for Christ's sake. Like they, they right. you know, like a lot of people out here don't have that money. Exactly. Exactly. So that was my argument. And, you know, that may have been between all that might have been said between one or two messages back and forth. And Mark is basically just kind of firing back at me like, well, it doesn't matter what you care. You know, if you don't like it, there's the door, the typical stuff. Well, then the guy who owned the gear chat jumps in and I'm like, oh, here we go, because this guy's a combat vet and this guy's actually physically fit and he knows what he's talking about. And he opens the conversation with. If you guys want to look professional, 
It doesn't matter if you wear M81 or multicam or fucking t-shirts. If you aren't physically fit, you aren't going to look professional <laughs> no matter what you're in. Was that kind of targeted at any certain leadership? <laughs> it might have been. I mean, I'm not going to say, but I will say that unlike the guy who owned the chat and said that comment, I've never seen Mark plan a 40 mile hike. <laughs> He's never put together a ruck and been like, hey, between FTXs, we should go out and like beat the shit out of our knees for two days in a row. Like, no. Nah. Um, yeah, maybe it was pointed at someone. Maybe it wasn't. Who's to say? But. That was how he opened the conversation. So then he became the target of Mark, of Mark's anger. And, um, yeah, they start going back and forth. And I'm kind of chiming in every now and then, like, nope, he's got a point. Nope, he still has a point. And it basically kind of came to Mark saying, well, it doesn't matter. You, you know, if you don't like it, there's the door. And I'm like, wait a second. We're self-funded. We're volunteer force. Why are we listening to you? Maybe we should be a little more democratic about this. And he's like, it was never a democracy. This is my group. You'll do as I say. So I made comments about the fact that we were self-funded. We joined for our communities and stuff like that. And that we weren't there to, to, you know, make Mark happy and chase this vibe. And Mark was like, well, that doesn't really matter. If you don't like it, there's the door. And then the owner of the conversation jumped in and he's like, no, the point that he's making is that we're here for our communities, not to be your private army. Mm. Yeah. And that just kind of left Mark baffled because his response to that was, man, making my job more difficult does not make me want to keep you. And it went on a little <laughs> bit from there. But at that point, I kind of jumped out because I'm like, listen, if this guy's going to sit here and say, you know, I don't, I, he's not going to respond to the private army comment for one. And for two, he's going to tell guys that are a volunteer force that they need to go spend hundreds of dollars to chase some vibe because he said so. Like, that's just, it's just wrong. He wouldn't listen to reason. He wouldn't listen to more qualified guys who had combat tours, who were physically fit, who had experience with that stuff. You know, he just wanted to have his way and that's all there was to it. Like, yeah, you know what? I'll check out for a little bit. I'll check back in later. You know, maybe I'll run to one of the other chats while this fizzles out, cools down. Um, it was about two hours after that, and I'm scrolling through the fitness chat and, you know, checking in on the guys and talking about trend and steroids and all sorts of fun stuff and, you know, how to get, how to build mega traps. No, but we, yeah, yeah. just talking, talking about fitness and how to get fit and, uh, you know, different exercises guys are doing and, oh, I'm eating this for protein and this one random guy ch chimes in and he's like, yeah, I drank a gallon of chocolate milk for my pre-workout today. And Mark's like, well, that just sounds dumb. Like, and you know, this other guy who's obviously physically fit chimes back and he's like, well, I'm hitting the macros and you know, I'm building up and bulking and doing stuff like that. And Mark, Mark responds. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm just, I'm to the point. I can't really cut calories anymore. I'm just going to embrace big hugeness. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh yeah. 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 He's like, I'm, I'm just on a bulk and to look at the guy, it's like, yeah, he's been, he's been on a bulk for a while, for, for a while. Um, and again, you know, we can make it a fat shaming episode, but that's really not what it's about. Um, but yeah, I just kind of found it funny while I'm scrolling through the chat, having, you know, caught up on stuff that have been going on while I'm over in a different chat and get to the bottom and I go to type a message back in response about the chocolate milk. And it's like, Oh, you've been removed from this chat. What? what what the heck i hadn't even said anything in here all morning what's going on so i back out of it and my telegram 
you know, all the previews of all the chats that I'm in, there's none of the ARA stuff up at all. And I'm like, oh. hmm, that's peculiar. So I screenshot my my Telegram page and I'd send it to like one of my local guys. I'm like, what what happened? Did the ARA get kicked off Telegram? Did some get pulled down? They're like, bro, you just got removed. <laughs> Yeah, so out of nowhere, without warning, um, just gone. So I shoot Mark a DM, and I when I enter the conversation, it throws me back to the conversation that I'd had with the other guy that was removed back in March. None of my previous messages with Mark are there. They're gone. We'd had DMs. We'd gone back and forth about stuff several times, um, all positive things at that point. If anything was negative was addressed with him, it was dr- addressed in public. Um so I'd had a history of conversation with him. It's gone. It's deleted. I'm like, what in the heck did I get blocked? So I sent him a message, and I wasn't blocked at that point. Like, it's like, Mark, did I just get removed? And he's like, yes, you did. <laughs> and I've got, a, uh, I've got a screenshot of it somewhere, but I'm like, may I ask why? He said, you know, you just weren't a good fit for the team. And I'm, I'm like, wait a second. So you're telling me that, I was promoted to squad lead above guys who were who were in the ARA longer than I was and more experienced than I was. You agreed to have me shadow you at FTXs. You commended me for recruiting people to the ARA. We joked back and forth at the last FTX that we were at, and now you're telling me that I wasn't a good fit for the team? <laughs> seems, yeah, it seems like a totally BS reason. Like, yeah, this definitely is not... You know, total coincidence because two hours ago we were sitting here arguing about uniforms and stuff. Yeah, you're uh, did you ever get called a problem child? Yes, um, <laughs> that seems to be a favorite, definitely. Um, so I'm, I'm not, I don't try to go to be a troublemaker despite what having a meme page might seem like. Um, yeah. I really hadn't gone out of my way to poke the bear. I let other people do that, and I'd chime in with little ad-libs or whatever. Um, but, you know, there have been a couple times where, like, after the March FTX, or no, after the the April FTX where we were supposed to do shooting quals, I had a message that I sent to the leadership chat. All the squad leads, all the platoon leads, and Mark and a lot of the other senior guys were in a leadership chat together. So because it was pertinent to all of us, I just sent it there. I was like, hey, I got a question. The regulation, and again, regulation is not meeting up with actual in-person expectations. You know, the regulation says that we need to do this for the shooting qual. We need to do this distance from standing, this distance from kneeling, this distance from prone. But when we did the first half of the shooting qual before it got shut down at the last FTX, we did this position, you know, in, at kneeling or whatever it was when the regulation called for standing. You know, if we're having guys that are going to do an additional shooting wall and wrap things up between now and the FTX, do they need to do it from standing or are they allowed to continue doing it from kneeling? And it led to this big argument. And I'm like, guys, I'm not calling anyone out. I'm not blame pushing. I'm just like, just I want to make sure. Up to speed. Yeah, it's like, you know, if guys in a different platoon are, are mandating regulations for their guys, I don't want to want them making it easier or harder on on some of the guys than it was on the others. And. You know, guys don't pass their shooting qual when they could have modified one thing that everybody else got to cheat on, cheat on if you want to call it that, and, you know, actually get their shooting qual done. Um, So there was back and forth with that. And at the end of it, 
it was just kind of like, yeah, by the way, you know, the way you did it at the last FTX was wrong. And you're going to have to, everyone who shot that part of the, the shooting qual that way is going to have to do it over again. I'm like, oh, great. That was a waste of ammo and time. And we could have been doing other things. So just kind of walked away from the conversation. Like, at least we determined something. And at least everyone else who's involved in this was able to see, cool, we're changing the regulation back to what it was before. Transparency, cool, we're good to go. I get a message later that night from my platoon lead at the time. He's like, hey, this isn't from me. It's from Mark. I was told to hand it down to you. But I just wanted to let you know that you need to stay in your lane. I'm like, <laughs> what? What do you mean? He's like, you didn't, you know, Mark wants you to run things up the chain of command and, you know, make sure that you ask guys whether, you know, the, in the appropriate order, whether or not something needs to change or something needs to happen. I'm like, wait a second. I'm in a leadership chat. Why am I in a leadership chat if I can't go direct to leadership through that chat and talk to them in front of everyone? Why does it need to be kept secret where I run it to this this platoon lead up to the XO, up to Mark, and back down? Like, why can't Chinese I just... Chinese whispers and say transparency. Right. Let's stop playing a game of telephone and just put it out in the open. And the platoon lead was like, listen, man, that's just what Mark said. That's, that's all I know to tell you. Just try next time to run it up the chain of command. The thing being that I had talked to the guy who was in the chain of command because we were pretty close, close friends, and um, he didn't know, and he said to ask Mark. So that's what I did. I just did it in front of everybody. Um, and again, it wasn't like calling Mark or anyone else out. It wasn't putting anyone on the spot. It was just apparently that I wasn't following appropriate military structure, and I was treating things too casually and not staying mm. in my lane. I wasn't, wasn't minding my own business. Um, so that part I'm not very good at. I'm what you know. I was called a problem child. I try not to be a troublemaker. I just try to address things when they bother me, and that was one of those things that bothered me. Um, so yeah, I got booted. And, you know, just kind of let it cool off. That was late April. Nothing really happened. I'd already thought about getting out, as we already established. And, you know, from then on, it's kind of like, eh, Telegram's really, really damn quiet now. But it is what it is. It's all right. Um, talked with my local guys. I was still planning on getting out, doing some training. But still, you know, not being in the ARA is not going to keep me from growing. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, a month. Yeah, definitely. You know, I joined for the right reason. In my opinion, I got out because I was forced out, but I would have left because I, you know, wanted to do the right thing and wanted to make sure I was involved in the right organization. Um, so it's not going to keep me from, from completing or continuing on my journey of training, but, um, yeah, just kind of went about my own business, doing my own thing until about a month later. And a month later, there was a, uh, a chat that I was in on Telegram from another person and another personality in the gun community. It was another find your tribe post. Like, okay, cool. I'll comment up there my location. I comment my location, and similar to what had happened when I got booted out of the ARA, I check back in five minutes later to see if anyone else has responded, and that entire Telegram group chat is gone. <laughs> like what in the hell just happened? So I got to go and talk to some of the other guys that I know or that are uh, go and talk to some of the other guys that I know that were within that group. And they said, yeah, um, you just got removed. We're not sure what happened. But by the way, thought you might want to know Mark's an admin in that group. <laughs> oh, yeah. So apparently what had happened was, and this is, again, another thing with Mark, 
someone that was a former part of his, formerly part of his organization was still willing to train outside of the organization. And he either didn't want people associating with them or he thought that because they couldn't be a part of the ARA that they couldn't train in the area anymore. Whatever it may be, when I commented that I was, you know, looking for training in my area and looking for guys to, to get to know who were of a similar mindset, I got removed from that group. Um, I don't know how much of this you want to include, but I'll get, go ahead and get it out there. Well, it's important. I mean, if there's an embargo yeah. against former members from training, oh, yeah. like, like that's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, fair enough. If if you can't play nice, you know, by by Mark's own kind of definition, um, that's one thing. But then trying to like out people as not not even out people, like not even say this guy did this for X, Y, or Z reason, which is defendable. And you could say, you know, this guy's irresponsible. He's not safe. Blah blah blah. X, Y, or Z. But if it's just I'm going to silence this dude in any way I possibly can and stop them from bettering themselves. Like, get fucked. Yeah. Well, the bigger thing being that it wasn't Mark's group, and he took it upon himself to go exert power. Um, yeah. Again, maybe he should stay in his lane. Who knows? But um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's not the first time I've seen it happen. He actually commented about some other Instagram personalities who he had tried to recruit to the group and they were like, nah, we're good. We're doing our own thing. I don't really need to join the ARA and had publicly with the ARA Instagram account commented that, well, if you're not in the ARA and you're in our AO, why aren't you joining? How else are you training or something to do that effect? (laughs) Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you're in our, if you're in our area, you should be in our group. If you're in this community. Jesus, like, like a gang. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, we have total authority on who gets the train and who doesn't. But yeah, so um, basically got put in contact with another person who was an admin within that group and let them know, hey, by the way, I got removed from this group. Not quite sure why. I haven't had a whole lot of interactions outside of recently commenting on the Find Your Tribe post. I do know that someone I've had some negative contact in the past with is is a moderator in that group. Don't know if that affected it. I'm willing to answer any questions that you have, but I'd love to get put back in this group. He's like, yeah, I'll run it up the chain chain of command. Mm. Um, (laughs) Within about two days, I was back in the group and Mark was out. (laughs) If that tells you anything. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's, you know, I was willing to be completely transparent because I'm like, listen, the issues that I've had with Mark are the issues that I've had with Mark. I don't need it affecting anybody else, but I just don't, I don't want to get blacklisted and, you know, have him you know just completely removing me from being able to be active in the gun community just because me and him have a rift yeah so over something yeah, that's, I guess, that's fucking dumb <laughs> like right, personal over, pride. Over, right personal pride or just like uni- arguments over uniforms um but yeah so i got added back to that group mark got booted but at that point it was like you know what if he's if he wants to really go that far he's going to get outside of the ara to affect people i'm going to go call him out on his bs yeah I, so i think that's fair yeah so that is where the meme page came from <laughs> so and you know, was, there, I, was there anyone else when you started that up kind of was there anyone else doing what you were doing like starting to publicly criticize the ARA? Because I think yours was the first that I saw crop up personally. So I've, I had seen other people who were either former members 
where it had other interactions with Mark and the ARA trying to warn people in some of those find your tribe posts. And at the time, you know, back in like December or January, it's like, uh, this is just some disgruntled person. They seem to have an okay reputation. So the word of one man really doesn't outweigh, you know, his rapport with everybody else. When you get yeah. bigger names like Redbeard and Seaburn and stuff like that, you know, you tend to give someone a little bit more gravitas. Um, but yeah, so there was other people that had speak and spoken out against him. There was other people speaking out against him, but I didn't see any memes about it. And I'm like, you know what? This is this is 2023. People speak in memes. Memes are another language all their own. Yeah. Um, and if you can make well, if you can make a woman laugh, you can make her fall in love. But if you can make people laugh, maybe you can change hearts and minds. Um, who knows? So, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a try. And at least, if nothing else. The guys within and without of the group who have interacted with Mark will understand the sentiment within the memes and they'll kind of, you know, it at least get them thinking. Maybe it'll plant the seed, get people to wake up to the things that, you know, I know I wasn't the only guy seeing people disappear from the ARA without notice and without explanation. You know, seeing the leadership issues, seeing the, the fact that FTXs were a complete kerfuffle and there was a, an entire lack of planning on the part of leadership. So I'm like, yeah, let's 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 try it. We'll spitball. We'll throw some stuff out there. And I mean, there was already former members of the ARA who internally were sharing memes back and forth that they created. They're like, hey, this is funny. Look at this, or you know, whatever. You remember that time that Mark did blah blah blah? And uh, you know, started kind of compiling those and just threw a few up on the page. Within about thirty minutes of creating that page, I don't know who found out about it. The Appalachian Rangers official Instagram page blocked it. <laughs> Damn. So, yeah. So I get word back basically immediately because I'd let the guys know, the the guys that I was associated with. I'm like, hey, by the way, I created this Instagram page. You know, go follow it. We'll share some funny stuff there every now and then. Um, but I had a screenshot from one of them that got back to me pretty quickly. They're like, hey, by the way, you should see this. And it's Mark giving the dis this disclaimer. All right, so the the thing that the ARA posted to their meme page was a pretty heavily redacted screenshot of my meme page, and it said, with the caption, as part of our ongoing efforts to to serve our greater Appalachian community, is it is incumbent upon us to make everyone aware of this fraudulent Instagram account that is impersonating our organization. This account is not affiliated with the ARA in any way, shape, or form, and does not represent the ARA or any individual member of the ARA in any way. This is our only real account. Thank you for your time and attention. We look forward to continuing to serve our community in any way that we are able. So to tell you kind of what's going on right at that point, I had one photo up of a Pepe the Frog <laughs> and an ARA caption. And that's what got me blocked. And that's what Mark put on his page. Well, he shot himself in the foot because putting him up on and putting myself up on his page, excuse me, um, got me a whole lot of notoriety really quickly. So people who had already been keeping a watchful eye on Mark started sending messages to my meme page. So I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I'm going to make a meme page. I'm going to poke fun at Mark. Guys that I know are going to appreciate it. And instead, I have accounts with 10 and 15 and 20,000 followers sending me messages of like, oh, so you've seen the BS that's going on with Mark too? <laughs> and I realized, oh, this is so much bigger than uniform arguments. Yeah. Well, I mean, that 
that kind of leads us to our present situation where you yeah. know, after enough time I realized too that one the person that I interviewed had described a situation that was that clearly had more going on than I knew about and mm-hmm. so I I wanted to make sure that you know both sides of this were told and that, that that's not just you know the one front-facing page that especially when there's accusations of censoring people like you are stopping them from having any kind of of platform to say to hold leadership accountable for things they ought to be accountable for so when you when you shut down anyone who who brings up a dissenting opinion or you remove them or you just completely keep them from expressing that opinion you basically just create a culture of yes men you're filtering out the guys with independent thought and you're left with people who are going to do your bidding because they just go along with the flow of things. Yeah, and that's... I'll, I'll get us into kind of a few things to wrap up on, but, like, to that end, that's where my major concerns started to come from because, one, there was this seeming, like, culture of, of silencing people and a few people had started to message me, like, hey... I joined the ARA because I heard you interview Mark, but here are my experiences. And I'm like, ah, fuck, great. Like, yeah. I, I, I want people to be out in the hills bettering themselves, and I, you know, I want people to proliferate the, the citizen riflemen and make this, this country and every other country, ideally, genocide-proof, you know? That, that's the big picture of why I, why I prop up people who seem to be doing something um, to better their community, like... Uh, the ARA seemed to be doing. And as a concept, I still love it. But when leadership gets wrapped up with ego and with a culture of not allowing, you know, individuality, which is so key to holding these things uh, to a high level of quality, which they have to be because it's very serious shit. It's not, you know, if, if you're not holding leadership to the highest standards then you end up just playing soldier in the woods instead of being a prepared fighting force and or, or not even just a fighting force like a prepared community force to to help out in disasters and stuff like that but kind of to uh to wrap up on um i i i'm gonna be asking this of of everyone but do you worry about any kind of retaliation by mark or those close to him who are kind of going along with his uh his leadership style um, possibly, um, just to give you my personal perspective on it, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what it would be. I'm sure it'd be some sort of character assassination. Um, yeah. so I know, and you can cut this or you can do whatever. This is more, it's kind of like off the record conversation direct to you. Um, I know you talked to Smokey. I think Smokey was kind of the first contact to clue you in on what was going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Because Smokey was like one of the first guys who reached out to the Instagram page and was like, hey, listen, um, I kind of know what's going on over there. I do want to let you know I'm not a spy for Mark, but um, <laughs> just kind of wanted to see what's going on behind the scenes since you've actually apparently seen stuff from the inside. So we got to talking and that's kind of where we threw together a plan to like, oh, yeah, we need to compile information because he'd interacted with Mark before the ARA was ever around. Um, yeah, and so he had screenshots of stuff that he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty rough. Um, and I can't remember exactly where I was going with that. What were you talking about? Um, are you worried about any kind of retaliation? Oh yeah, retaliation. 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. So, um, I don't know if Smokey had told you. I had a phone conversation with Mark um, not too terribly long after the meme page started up. Um, and that's going to be dropping with a lot of the other content that's about to come out. But mm-hmm. Mark basically just pestered everyone that left around the same time I did trying to figure out and trying to trying to figure out who was behind the meme page and basically within a few days had narrowed it down to me and one other guy because of what had gone on with the uh, the PNW gorilla chat um so he narrowed it down and then he starts heckling everyone else being like hey you know you need to get Nate to shut this down you need to get him to close the Instagram page you need to get him to stop making fun of me stop making memes you know this is just stupid and childish and immature so then that leads to people being like, hey, you know, we're causing problems with the ARA. We have problems with Mark, but we don't want to offend the guys within the ARA. And Mark's talking badly about everyone else who's left now. So, you know, can you can you call him? Can you talk to him? Meanwhile, I've made a couple of their Instagram posts. Mark is posting to his uh, posting to the ARA page and be like, yep, this guy's still posting. You know, he's he's a problem child. He needs to come to us. He needs to talk to us about his issues. He could end this. You know, this is just stupid. He needs to stop all the all the while giving me more publicity. But um, yeah, he had me blocked at this point, so I could not contact him. He's sitting there fronting to everyone else that follows him. Oh, yeah. You know, this guy is welcome to address anything at any time. I'm open (laughs) to listen. I'm open to change. I'm open to this, you know just trying to pull PR and be like, yeah, the other person, the, the mean person is the bad guy. I'm the good guy. I'm a good leader. I don't, and he said that in the phone call. He's like, I'm a good leader. I don't have to be told that. Um, you know, just completely full of himself with it. But yeah. So eventually it got to the point where he unblocked me on telegram and I gave him my contact info. I was like, yeah, listen, call me. I work ridiculous hours. So it's going to be freaking midnight before I'm available, but sure call me we'll talk um just to air out grievances and talk about things but within the first five minutes you know he opens the phone call he's like hey nate what's going on oh not too much mark you know how you doing and you i mean you'll hear you'll hear all this later but within a few <laughs> minutes he accuses me of having mental health issues he's like you know this this meme page seems like it's you lashing out because you got removed from the ARA and you know you're struggling and you're just trying to get someone's attention and you know it almost it it appeared to me it's like this guy's trying to get information to freaking red flag me or something. Eesh. Yeah, and I could have gotten really defensive. I could have done whatever, but I'm trying to stay cool. And it's like, listen, man, this is not about me. I'm fine. My mental state is great. I'm not getting vengeance because you kicked me out of the ARA. If I would have done that, I would have done it when you kicked me. It's been over a month. I don't care. That's not what it's about. It's about someone calling you on the carpet with the BS that's going on. And that's when he you know, starts coming on the defensive. Oh, well, I'm a good leader. I don't have to be told that I'm a good leader. You know, if you don't like it, you can you can leave. There's the door. And I'm like, I'm already out the door, genius. But um, yeah, just kind of that thing. So I it, said all that to say... I don't doubt that he would go for some kind of character assassination. Something that concerns me um, is kind of the darker side of the ARA in that I have it on really good information from someone who's legitimately scared about this information getting out. Um, that Mark has threatened to use his special teams against people if they you know, speak out against him or they're working against what? the ARA. 
His little, yeah. uh, he's got kind of like a Praetorian god. Like, what, what, what is it? Gold ranges or some shit like that? Yeah, so he's got R- Ranger, Ranger Special Task Group, um, RSTG. He's got one that's gold team. That's more of their um, overt arm of enforcement. And the black team is more of a recon wing, whatever. Um, yeah, so it w- was rumored that, you know, hey, if we ever get into any trouble, if anyone ever starts giving us any problems while we're out doing something, or if we've helped somebody, if something comes up, that's why we have the RSTG teams. Basically insinuating, oh yeah, it's okay, we'll just intimidate people into into not bothering with us. Um, so that's that's one concern. You know, I don't think Mark would be so stupid as to have someone roll up on the, on a former member's house and get into a shootout with them or something, you know, maybe he might go egg their roof or something like that. Um, <laughs> but speaking of egging roofs, I mean, th- that's, that's a concern. He has contact information on everyone who's in the ARA, um, varying levels. You know, he's got some people's addresses, other people, he has, you know, their email, their telephone, their work history, stuff like that. Um, the biggest thing being that I have it from people who are former ARA and were in Intel, that Mark has been encouraging his Intel guys to concentrate on skip tracing and actually tracking people. Nice. Yeah, like internally or oh. just in general, like getting the capability? Getting the capability, but like actually being able to have that capability to check in and see what's going on with people who are you know, of a dissenting opinion about the ARA. Ah. So, yeah. Um, and while this is private information, you know, Mark does not have my current address. I've moved since all of this went down. I'm not sure how hard it would be for him to get my current address. So, yeah, I have some, some amount of concern that there's going to be some retaliation, but my hope is that he's going to be too distracted with the other things going on once all this comes out to really be able to focus on one person. Yeah. But that's kind of the, the meme page gotten deleted back in May after my conversation with Mark and realizing, you know, I'm making fun of him. He's not going to pay, pay attention to it and see that, you know, people are actually, you know, in agreement with this guy, they're following him. They're liking his post because they agree that, you know, I'm doing stupid stuff. Once I realized he wouldn't pay attention, he wouldn't talk on the phone and address issues. He just kept deflecting like yeah you know what i'll just take it down it's causing too much trouble he's hassling people to get me to take it down and it's breaking up friendships like it's just not worth it um but then more and more stuff kept coming to light i kept up with smoky kept up with other people who were still in the ara things came out that it's like oh yeah he's gonna work with the atf he's planning on taking this nationwide he's supposedly starting a 501c3 but no one can find any registration on it he started an llc for it that's actually registered as a paramilitary like all of this information kept dropping and it finally got to the point you're like you know what i'm firing this bitch back up let's go to war <laughs> that yeah one one last thing i guess on the uh like working with the atf what the fuck is the deal with that <laughs> so yeah coincidentally enough um i'll tell you one of the guys that i recruited but someone that i knew who was within the ara um had given me some, given me some information from a round table that occurred back in i believe june and um they had the the notes from it and it was that basically 
you know, Mark's rundown was we're going to become more professional. We're moving to a little bit different organization system. We're going to become a 501c3. We're going to try and get donations. We're going to try and take this nationwide. All of this stuff. Um, well, then people, you know, one of his statements was that he wanted to work more closely with the government. And someone brought it up. They're like, well, that's kind of concerning. Are you going to work with the ATF? And his response was that if the ATF calls upon us to do work for them and we deem that it's appropriate, we will back them up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And, yeah. And therein, therein yeah, lies and you better believe that race of eyebrows. Yeah, th- therein lies the detached... Like, I, I don't want to personally take too many stances in this, but... Like, you come down yeah. to Appalachia as someone from Ohio, <laughs> like, and then right. you start up this organization, the Appalachian Rangers, you have to have a fucking understanding of the culture down here, and the, the right. big hesitancy to do, to have anything to do with government or wider authority when you were trying to retain what few neutered rights you have left. Like, what the fuck? That is the... Yeah, that is the baffling thing about Mark is that he seems to, in some instances, be extremely intelligent and know exactly how to pull PR. And in other instances, he, you know, seems to completely put his foot in his mouth. So that information got around pretty quick that it's like, oh, yeah, this guy agreed that he would work with the ATF if it proved prudent. Um, it, people started asking him when he would post roundtables in his Instagram story, like, hey, ask me questions. They'd be like, hey, are you going to work with the ATF? And then it, it occurred to him, oh, this is bad PR. I need to backtrack. And he starts answering the question, oh, no, we wouldn't work with the ATF. The ATF is this, that, and the other because he's just trying to meet the expectation of the people that he's catering to. But, yeah, his initial stance on it was basically, oh, yeah, you know, if they need backup, we'll back them up. He changes his tune on everything, just like he changes his tune on what his police experience is or, you know, how much training he's had, how capable he is. And from doing research on the guy, you know, talking to people, looking into his background and stuff, the guy doesn't have an experience in anything. He's dropped out of basically any tactical training class he's ever been to. He's never been a police officer. He really has no right to be have this authority over people, but because he sells it so hard— and people just want to stick around and think that they're learning. They just give them that that position of authority over them. Mm, With that, we've been at this for like close to two hours, and my yes. wife is like, "Bro, dinner." Yes, sir. Yes, and honestly, sir. that didn't even that. I know that was a lot. There's even more out there that I've got, but that's I mean, that's the vast majority of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's the yeah. thing. I'm like, oh, we'll just do a quick 30 minute talk, and then it's like, God, there's there's so much. <laughs> there's so many stories, and honestly, most of that is just like my personal opinion on stuff, things that I've seen, my personal observations, as far as you yeah. know, things that I know about other people's interactions and stuff. It just, it, it's crazy. But as Reaper, or it was either Reaper or Op Four, somebody posted in their Instagram story the other day, and you know, trying to just extend an olive branch to members of the ARA who are in there for the right reasons. They're like, maybe you should, you, maybe you should take a look at what's going on over there and think to yourself, why does Mark attract so much trauma? Why do so many people in the community have so many negative opinions about him? And that's really what it comes back to is there's just so much to it throughout the years that 
it, it shocks me that no one's called on called him on it until now. Well, like like we said, it's uh we've been going for a minute, but is, is there anything you'd like to uh, yeah. say to to people before we go? Um, anything you'd advise to anyone wanting to apply to the ranges? There's other groups around there. They don't have the notor- notoriety that the ARA does. They haven't gotten their name out there so much. Um, but probably wise. That yeah. Some some advice that I had from someone else who I really respect a lot is find some some guys in the find your tribe posts that are within like 30 or 40 miles of you get together grab coffee get to know each other build a brotherhood and a bond because you know you're in that find your tribe post because you're of a similar mindset so just get to know those people develop friendships and start training together you don't need to be a part of a huge group that has a huge following and you know has a youtube channel and has some sort of fame and notoriety in order to actually do something to help your community if anything the farther you get from home the less likely you are actually going to be able to help your community so grab some chainsaws learn how to use them grab some trucks learn how to do vehicle recovery learn you know small unit tactics work on your own personal shooting stuff and you know keep it small keep it small don't try and advertise it and make it some merch company or become famous. Just do your own thing. And that's that's really the best advice I can give. Yeah. Decentralize and keep it keep it local. Yeah, yeah. Keep it local. Keep it with the homies. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, really appreciate your time, Nate. Um we'll let you let you go off to your wife. I've I've taken you for too long, but um thank you for sharing uh your experiences and hopefully they'll uh, kind of better inform the conversation going forward. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, if anyone's got any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. It's Appalachian underscore restoration underscore ASSOC. Awesome. All right. Well, once again, thank you, Nate, and we'll be back. All right, guys, thanks for listening. These interviews ran a lot longer than I planned for, and that's on me. I underestimated just how much there was to be said on Guy's experiences, training under Mark, and how long it would take to frame everything with context for those outside of the loop. As a result, to avoid this being a six-hour show, there will be a Investigating the ARA Part 2 next week, releasing Sunday, 6pm Eastern Time, with interviews from another squad leader as well as one of the former XOs or executive officers who had a real bird's-eye view of what was going on under Mark's leadership. As a quick update before we sign off, since recording these two prior interviews, more information has come out which I will address as quickly as I can. Firstly, the ARA has seemingly disbanded with their Instagram page and website being gone. Secondly, Smokey of the State of Appalachia Project, who we've had on before, has released articles on its substack detailing the many inconsistencies of Mark's leadership, with sources including his apparent stolen valor and lying about, of all things, being a cop. Lastly, it has come out that Mark has been fraudulently collecting donations for the ARA as a 501c3. While Mark had filed for this status, they never received it. There is plenty more to the story, but there is only so much time in the day, and Smokey's articles do an excellent job collecting everything in three parts. The link to those articles will be in the show notes. We'll be back next week with part two despite the organization dissolving. Not to beat a dead horse, but to help clarify why I and many others have gone through the effort to address poor leadership in our community. A friend of mine, Gunicidal Tendencies on Instagram, said it best. Self-regulation within a community is a huge part of being anti-government. Or, you know, free men. 
Pulling out bad actors and holding people accountable is crucial to having a successful community that is decentralized. We don't need the cops, feds, etc. We can regulate from within by informing people and letting those repercussions naturally unfold. Quite right, amigo. Anywho, once again, thank you people for listening. Stay tuned for part two. Okay, bye.